All right. Welcome, everyone. He's done it, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. This week's episode, we will have some NFL talk for you, as two pretty big stories broke in the past two days. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson suspended the first six games of the 2022 season, and the Miami Dolphins are being fined. Their owner, Stephen Ross, is suspended, and they lost multiple draft picks, including their first round pick in 2023, due to impermissible communications with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. We'll weigh in on both of those stories before talking about the MLB trade deadline. Juan Soto is a San Diego Padre, the young Nationals phenom, end up being moved just a couple weeks after declining a mega contract extension from Washington. We'll give our thoughts on that deal and more with, of course, our biggest winners and losers of the deadline. And then finally, we'll wrap this episode up by answering five questions on the Mega Millions lottery, the Choco Taco being discontinued, and more. So with that, let's get started. So the Celtics lost uh, a legend this weekend, really not just any legend, the legend, Bill Russell passing away, 88 years old, peacefully in his sleep. Uh, I was a little surprised because it seemed like he's had a lot of public appearances recently, but he, uh, he of course, just a incredible career, 11 championships, 13 seasons, gold medalist, and uh, one of those guys who was... As great as he was as a basketball player, he was probably an even better human being off the court. Uh, definitely went through a lot, and it's uh, certainly sad hearing that he is no longer with us. Yeah, that w- that's what makes his career so special is that not only uh, do you include the things that he accomplished on the court, but then also factoring what he had to deal with off the court because he's an African-American player that played in the 50s and 60s, yep. which was an era of not exactly great for for the african-american culture and so for him to accomplish the things that he did on and off the court is pretty amazing and like you said 11 nba championships he was also the first black head coach he was a two-time college champion five-time mvp and the most impressive stat i thought of all of them 21 and 0 winner in winner take all games that's oh wow! Twenty-one and zero. Yeah, I heard ten and zero in game seven. So yeah, twenty-one and zero when you factor everything. He's he's the right, ultimate 10 winner in game seven. He's a, right. He is like the the greatest winner of all time, just in terms of everything he accomplished. And it's it's hard to argue that, just given what his numbers are, and it's not even just how many wins he has, but how few losses. Uh, you know, when he played thirteen seasons and only two of them didn't end in him winning a championship. It's just an incredible career. Um, like you said, incredible. What he had to deal with and overcome, even being that great of a basketball player, he would go on the road and come back, and his house would be like burglarized, and 
Uh, you know, just lots of horrible things he'd have to deal with. He was a huge leader in the civil rights era, and um, he won the. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2010. So and that too, as well. Yeah, you, definitely huge honor. Pe- people are also saying that he's like the Jackie Robinson of basketball, and that the number six should be retired everywhere and i i don't i wouldn't make an argument against that <laughs> yeah I don't know who would. Been, i didn't necessarily hear the jackie robinson comparison but uh yeah I, i've i've heard people advocating for number six to be retired throughout the league and yeah i mean I, I think that a lot of people would be very much okay with that you know not just because of what he did on the court but mostly because of what he did off the court you know similar to to robinson and what he went through so i think it'd be really really reasonable for the the league to retire six um you know we'll see if there's any kind of actual push for that i think that there's plenty of guys who uh across sports kind of get advocated for those type of honors and um you know maybe it's tough to say that any of them should be looked at in the same light as uh jackie robinson just given what he individually had to go through in the 40s but right um i mean i i do think that russell you know we we know that he's going to continue to be honored by so many things and the mvp trophy is named after him right the nba finals MVP. nba finals mvp yeah okay which yeah makes perfect sense uh given his I, success on that stage so i can't help but look at some of the stats they put up and it's not just those numbers that i i talked about earlier but look at the rebounds per game that he had he averaged it's not points. This is rebounds. Twenty-two and a half rebounds per game. I guess that shows you how much the rest of the league stunk, but also <laughs> uh, shows you how good he was. It is always insane, like looking at numbers, like but from like him and Wilt Chamberlain, some of those other guys, just rebounds, like not even points, like you said. And uh, you know his his defense and rebounding is definitely the the biggest strengths of his his awesome career. It's like Elf in the beginning of that movie when they show him the Cliffs <laughs> playing basketball yeah, against one, the other elves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, but it's uh, just ridiculous those numbers. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, it. I mean, look, JJ Reg had that comment several months ago where, where people in that era were, most of them were like plumbers and firemen. I think it's kind of unfair to JJ Reddick that he said that because a lot of people think I, I myself kind of think that that a lot of these guys in that era would not play, would would not be in the NBA now, which which would be the case for really twenty years later, or thirty years later, forty years later. The NBA just gets better and better. Like people are faster, bigger, faster, stronger, can shoot better, and and they so make it's more not money. A, they grow up in yeah. environments where they can yeah, actually, and they also like, you know have like they, the they get highest, nutritionists yeah exactly. Too. They make millions and millions of dollars, and so so it's not a, it's kind of an indictment on the the players that played in that league, but not Bill Russell. You can't discredit what he accomplished in that era, and because of everything that he dealt with again off the court, and then. On the court, yeah, he doesn't have a nutritionist, a nutritionist, or a he doesn't have like the money that the players have today, and he's yeah, just be able to focus on a basketball career and you know nothing else. So yeah, yeah, no, I he, I don't. He doesn't think have sweet Jordans. Uh, <laughs> what, I don't, what kind no, of shoes I, did they have back then? Yeah, <laughs> I I have no idea. I don't think that anything he accomplish on the court should be diminished just based on the era he played in i mean i I think it's fair to say well guys like michael jordan winning six championships and that chicago bulls team uh, in the era they played in is maybe more impressive than the few teams that were in that celtics era but they they were still the best of the best and bill russell was the best of the best of the best i I think i think uh michael jordan's the best basketball player of all time but but bill russell is the most 
accomplished. Most accomplished, most decorated. And, and then, Absolutely. And then just factoring uh, off the court uh, stuff as well, that just makes him, like, makes his career even more impressive. And so, mm-hmm. and I would I would say greatest Celtic because it's oh, really yeah. him, what, him, Larry Bird, and what, Paul Pierce? I don't even know. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely Bill Russell. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so 88 years old. Uh, you know, just I'm happy that he passed away peacefully in his sleep and that it wasn't from like some major health complication or anything. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad that he's gone, but uh, certainly hoping that the Celtics can uh, dedicate this next season or coming seasons to him and maybe pull out a championship kind of similar to kinda, Red Auerbach, you know, you know, a decade yeah, kinda and a half sucks, ago. Kind of sucks that they lost the championship. I know, right? It would have been cool if they won. Uh, I think Tommy Lasorda. Like he passed away right after the Dodgers finally won a World Series. It could have been a similar uh, scenario, but um, you know, at least he got to see some good Celtics teams at the end. Right. So, I guess um, you know, after talking about a amazing human being like Bill Russell, let's do a total <laughs> one eighty and talk about uh, some not so great people. And uh, we'll start off with Deshaun Watson. Of the Cleveland Browns, um, after months of rumors and speculation and, you know, I don't know if trials is the right term. I don't know how the NFL really wants to describe what happened, but we went through the whole process and the um, independent arbitrator judge, Sue L. Robinson, ruled that Watson should be suspended for six games. And the NFL was looking for an indefinite suspension of at least a year. I think there are a lot of fans throughout different circles in the league who believe that a year or more was uh, very much a reasonable punishment. And in the end, he just gets six games. So I guess what's your what's your reaction to, to this huge news? Well, I'm not surprised by the amount of games because it was reported for several weeks or there were a lot of rumors between NFL circles that it wasn't going to be a whole year and it was going to be in the range of four to eight games and so it it was six games and so I was not surprised by it and I'm not I don't blame people of course for being outraged especially women for that kind of punishment because six games it does feel kind of light and I'm sure the NFL will appeal it the the ruling and but and could they get more of a punishment maybe but what eight games tops I was thinking it'd be eight games because okay, I know it's not exactly half a season now with seventeen games, but that's it's basically half the season, and they have a bye in week nine. So, so you come back in November, but and okay, it's a six game suspension, not an eight game, which doesn't sound like that much big of a difference. But in football, that's a huge makes all the difference in the world. So, uh, so I'm sure the NFL will appeal it, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, six games. If it remains six games, it does feel. I, I, it's not like Ray Rice two games or anything, but it does feel a little light, I, I will say. And I don't, again, I don't blame people for being outraged. And there's certainly a lot of comparisons with other past suspensions. Like, oh, wow, Calvin Ridley, he got suspended for a whole year for just betting on his team in one game or, or whatever, some crazy parlay. But Deshaun Watson gets six games for for being accused by uh, a couple dozen women of sexual assault. Like, yeah, it, it is kind of fishy. And then there are, Again, past suspensions of, you know, Brady getting four games for deflating footballs. And I'm sure if Deshaun Watson got four games, people would be talking about, oh, wow, well, Brady, he got suspended four games for 
deflating balls and Deshaun Watson got four games for playing with <laughs> with 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 that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I I think it is a little light and a lot of people are outraged, but I certainly don't blame people for being for being outraged. So I think it's difficult for me to look at this objectively and without bias, given that it involves a team that I really, really do not like in the Cleveland Browns. And of course, I want the suspension to be as as much as possible because I don't want Watson on the football field helping the Browns win. And at the same time, I think what he did, what he's accused of is is highness. And he obviously wasn't charged and indicted by a grand jury, which really isn't a huge surprise given how difficult it is to convict on you know sexual assault or sexual misconduct related crimes in this country uh, but it just in terms of the conduct detrimental to the league the PR um, hit all that stuff it it feels like six games is is not a lot at all and um, I, I heard the NFL was like the least amount they were willing to go is 12. So if they do decide to appeal, which they have till Thursday to do that, I'm not totally ruling and it I'm out. I'm sure they will. I'm, I'm pretty I'd like to they think will. that they will, but I, I don't know. I mean, the, the NFLPA was pretty adamant that we'll accept this ruling of six games. And it sounds like they would have preferred even less than that. Watson and his camp certainly think it's way too much because according to him, he did nothing wrong despite you know, sending text messages and stuff, apologizing to masseuses like this. this uh, and admitting that one of them cried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think like, I don't know why he was, she was crying. Right. Like. <laughs> I, it feels like there is enough evidence to suggest that Watson did something really wrong. And I think that's basically the gist of what Robinson's argument was. But her her like the language she used in saying that he's suspended for six games without pay is, although this is the most significant punishment ever imposed on an NFL player for allegations of nonviolent sexual conduct, Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before viewed by the NFL. So just, she's like trying to say six games is a lot because this is the most that's ever been handed out. And this is a totally new scenario. We haven't had any type of suspension like this. The Ridley suspension, any other suspensions from past years, I don't think it's totally fair to compare them because not just Goodell and there, his committee there, ruling with an iron fist. It's an independent are, arbitrator coming in. There are other comparisons too. Hopkins, PEDs. Yes, exactly. Games. I mean, Exact but, same amount of games for uh, the typical PED suspension while <laughs> Watson's case is a lot. It's a lot, lot worse than than Hopkins or, or or Calvin Ridley's. So yeah, hard. and so she says that Watson six games is a lot compared to you know nonviolent sexual crimes, which I don't know how many there really are to compare to. I don't know what the definition of that is, but she's saying it's the most egregious stuff that's ever happened. So it's like she's almost saying that it, it's like it she never watched football. Been, <laughs> well, like it could have been more is kind of what she's saying. Like I, I, is the way that I see it. And I don't know. It feels like the NFL would be very much within reason to appeal and go higher. Uh, I just don't know what the legal ramifications are of it. I don't know what kind of mess they would get into, what, what risks there would be from them to move forward with that, which is why I'm not 100% percent convinced that the nfl is going to um you know appeal this and try to get it higher than six games but at the same time i don't like a lot of people are kind of hammering the nfl for this this is not an nfl thing this is you can blame past things like you know the the whole deflate gate scenario you can talk about um other ray rice is really yeah ray rice stuff you can talk about some of the other um 
you know, domestic violence type suspensions and a lot of just arbitrary rulings that got the players to be like, no, we want someone from the outside to come in. We don't want Goodell to just kind of throw a dart and, uh, you know, whatever number <laughs> it hits, that's what he's giving out. I think that's kind of what the whole point of this was. And I, it, it feels like it's kind of unfortunate that this is the first case that's being ruled like that because it, it does seem like Watson should have more. And again, part of me is looking at it as someone who's not a fan of the Cleveland Browns. And I don't know how I would react if this was a different Big Ben. Team. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was yeah 12 years it, ago yeah. and a lot has changed since then. And I mean, it's one of those things at the time where he got six games and got reduced down to four because I think of got good four behavior, games, yeah. right? Well, no, he originally got six games and I got... I think that's just like a totally different time. I don't know what would have happened if this happened today. And right. um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, that certainly kind of complicates uh, some of the ways that I feel like I should be reacting to this situation. But um, in, in the end, you know, Watson is in all likelihood not being suspended for the season. The expectation is he'll be out there week seven against the Ravens and the six games he's going to miss are six very winnable games. You know, he plays the Falcons and the Panthers, the only two road games as Browns or the Browns do. They host the Jets. They host our Steelers and Patriots. They host the Chargers. I don't think they go six and oh, but they could very reasonably go four and two. Yeah. Week six. They don't have to. Watson isn't on the field uh, when they play each other in week six. And like, yeah, like you said, the, the Browns, okay, they're not without Watson. Even with Watson, they're not the greatest team. But like you said, those first six games, they're all winnable games. They're it's coin the toss games. I'm not saying schedule to start the season. So. Yeah, I'm, I, and then I, I can see him having a getting off pretty, uh, pretty easily. Even with Brissett in there, Brissett's not he's not great, but he's a decent backup quarterback. And yeah, easy, easy first six games of the season that they certainly could. I'm not saying it goes six and zero or anything, but I don't think that they're going to be zero and six. I think I think some sort of five hundred record is uh, doable for them. Yeah, and of course you have the factor that goes along with the missing six games. He has a forty-five million dollars signing bonus that the NFL can't touch. He has a one million dollar salary, and that's where the suspension is coming from. So he's losing when it comes down to it, three hundred thousand dollars. Out of forty six million, so he's still making forty five point seven million. Three hundred thousand of his fully guaranteed two hundred thirty million dollar contract. Oh, mm-hmm. how will he live? And it's just again, <laughs> like that's another thing where it just feels like this is just a, a horrible look. In that Watson got this huge two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contract, and he gets uh, this perceived light suspension and barely gets. You know, barely loses anything because of the way his contract is structured, which I think a lot of teams similarly structure contracts. So I, I'm not all that upset. It's not like I like some people are saying, oh, the Browns just made it one million. So that way he doesn't lose anything. I don't think that's really true. It's just it makes it look even worse. And I think that this is a huge PR hit. And yeah, I think that a lot of people have reason to be upset and. I don't think it's really fair to compare this to a ton of other suspensions. I don't think just because of the way that this was handled versus, you know, how those were done. Um, but even if it's like, yeah, the NFL shouldn't have a, as much criticism because they weren't the ones who ruled this. They weren't the ones who were, I mean, as far as we know, they're not okay with it. They want it to be more. It's still a bad look on the league. And I think that, um, you know, in the end, football is football. People are still going to watch. I think that it's not going to have a significant overall effect. And that's one way you can look at it. But 
yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it feels, it feels wrong, I guess. It's like the, the easiest way to put it. And it feels like, um, you know, with something that's going to blow over pretty it, easily. And feels a little light. Yeah. Six games. It mm-hmm. feels a little, I can see it being appealed and maybe getting eight games, but I don't think he's going to get suspended for the, I don't think it's going to go from six to all of a sudden the whole season. No, I, I don't, don't think, think so. As well, it, well if, if that happened, then I think that the NFL would have a lot of problems with the NFL PA and yeah. they don't want to deal with that. So, right. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just amazed that guys like Josh Gordon, Mark Davis, Brian got a whole year for weed and Deshaun Watson's getting six games for something a lot more serious than, than that. And can you imagine this happened in a regular office space? Uh, some guy at work getting accused by... 20 different <laughs> uh, women of uh, sexual assault, but it just comes back in a month later. Uh, yeah. The, no big deal. <laughs> no chance. No, the majority of working Americans would not keep their job. They would not have a six-week suspension. Which um, is why it benefits to be a, a high-powered superstar athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that's just like another another factor that goes into it, it just from the whole PR perspective. And yeah, I know there's a lot. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see if anything changes in the next couple of days. But we'll, uh, I guess, have to move forward with the expectation that Watson will be playing the majority of the Browns games this season. And um, I guess we can move on to someone else who was suspended. Also, if you do the math, six games. Uh, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, who um, has uh, been in the news a lot this offseason for mostly negative things. Of course, you remember back in February when the Brian Flores news came out that he was suing the NFL, suing the Dolphins after, um, you know, it just basically... Asked they to were, tank games. Yeah, he was asked to take games or these allegations like that. It wasn't a fair hiring process that a lot of these um, teams he'd interviewed with in the past weren't... They were basically just bringing him in to, to check boxes with the Rooney rule that they weren't legitimate um, hiring practices be taking place. And the league investigated it, and uh, there is no conclusive, uh, yes, this actually happened, but it does turn out that the Dolphins were illegally tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, Sean trying Payton. to bring both of them on as starting quarterback, head coach. Brady would have some kind of minority ownership. Something that a lot of people are like, oh, this is a conspiracy. We don't know if this really happened. Sounds like it did based on what's happening here with the uh, Dolphins losing a first-round pick losing in 2023. Losing a first-rounder and third-rounder. Third-rounder yeah, in 2024. I think it sounds like it did happen. half fine. Yep. So does this have anything to do with – is this really just more of a tampering with Brady and Sean Payton, or is it – does it also have to do with what Brian Flores said as well? So it it's a combination of both. Of both. Yes, it okay. was. It's kind of like how when the Washington Commanders investigations were going on, it turned out John Gruden had a laundry list of bad emails that got him fired from the Raiders. It's basically the same scenario as what it sounds like that okay. they were. But these also went hand in hand together because the whole Brian Flores accusations were kind of related to Dolphins and bad hiring practices, which was what was kind of going on behind the scenes with Peyton and Brady, which very much is tampering. I mean, they said Brady, their illegal contact while he was a member of the Patriots, while he's a member of the Buccaneers, illegal contact with Peyton well, while uh, he was still a member of the Patriots. Was him as a member of the Patriots. Still, and then again as the Bucs. So both his first free oh, agency right. well, both. and That's then, what I'm yes. saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yes. I, so I going back to 2019 into 2020. Yes. Yeah, and I don't blame. I'm. I don't blame Brady for this because like, he's getting a lot of crap for doing what he did uh, when he was still with the Patriots. It's like he's being kind of pushed out, where he's not getting the deals that he's that he should deserve. And he's he even said it that he just wants a little bit more appreciation. And the writing was on the wall that he was really just going to play out this last year, and not be happy, and and then he was on his way out. It was just a question of where he was going, uh, because it wasn't he wasn't coming back to New England. Was, he was going he was getting that contract, a big contract that he deserved uh, to be paid with the top guys. But so I don't blame him for for this. I'm not gonna be I'm not totally mad at Brady for it, but yeah, it's not a great look. But and he had the chance to become an owner, like you know, the <laughs> Belichick and uh, Robert Kraft weren't offering that. I don't think that Jake Glazer. Or Dutchy Glazer, whatever the Glazer family that owns the boxer. I don't think they were offering that. The Dolphins were. So, yes, obviously those are phone calls that he's going to take and he's going to be interested in that because that's such a unique opportunity that no, as far as I know, no players in the NFL have had that chance. I know guys like Mario Lemieux and Michael Jordan have been part owners, part players, but I think it's pretty unique to the NFL, so... I totally get the concept that if somebody was knocking on his door with that opportunity, that Brady would have been very interested. I'm amazed that Bill's accidental text to Brian Flores is kind of the reason, partially the reason why the Dolphins lost a first and a third round pick. Yeah, and then, well, and then there's the the question of is that another layer to the conspiracy? Was it an accidental text, or did yeah. he get wind of this? And he's like, I'm gonna blow this up right now and text Brian Flores, say, Oh, I thought you were Brian Dable, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's led to a lot of lot of stuff going on. One of those Just, is Brian Flores becoming linebacker coach of the Steelers. So like, I'm kind of happy that he got screwed over because I'm excited about that. But it, it also does kind of suck for him and you know what he's gone through, especially with how good the Dolphins were. Like you said, they wanted to tank. They went five and eleven. They were a playoff contender the past two seasons. So I remember that year where it's like, wow, this team is supposed to be like the worst team in the league, and then all of a sudden five and eleven. Like, yeah, like started zero seven, won five of their last nine games. So yeah, then they had a winning record, and they st- he still gets canned. Yeah, yeah, but. But at the same time, like you said, it's good for you because he's now the greatest linebackers coach in, in the league, <laughs> the most overqualified one in the uh, league. And then and then I think it's also cool, This kind of a side talk, but I think it's kind of cool to, uh, to see what Mike McDaniel is going to do in Miami because, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's a fun, eccentric. Wild, wild personality. It's just, so uh, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of excited to see what happens there. Uh, that's just a side note. But, yeah, good for... I'm kind of happy for Brian Flores just because I remember watching that that interview on Get Up with Mike Greenberg and then his lawyers and explaining mm-hmm. his whole situation. It's just like, man, like this guy did as much as he could to coach that team, and they were really overachieving with the talent that they had on that team, and he still gets fired. And it's like, like that's I felt like it was just completely unfair to him. And then finding out that there was even worse stuff behind the scenes where he was being paid or or requesting to be paid to tank games and, and and many other things and so so i'm so i'm happy for him more than anybody um for anyone in the situation i mean yeah and well he's he thinks it should have been worse um he he did come out and put out a statement saying that the dolphins kind of got off with not a lot uh mostly because they were only being hit for 
the Brady Payton situation and that uh, there wasn't enough evidence to support Brian Flores' claims. And that's why I asked you earlier, is does this have to do more with the Brady and Sean Payton situation or does that have to mm-hmm. do everything? Because when I was reading the tweets about how like Schefter's uh, tweets and others on the Dolphins' punishment, all I kept seeing was the tampering with Brady and, and Sean Payton and what and whatever, but like nothing, not really a lot on the other specifics that Brian Flores mentioned. So that's why I asked you, like, does this, which, which, uh, this punishment, what does this have to do with more or if it has to do with both? Yeah. So, um, it is in terms of the punishment, it is based on impermissible tampering and, um, you know, it's, it's so it does not, sound like it's more, has he, more to do Flores, with yeah, Flores put a statement. I'm, I'm reading it now saying that, um, you know, while the investigator found that the dolphins engaged in impermissible tampering, Mr. Ross will still avoid any meaningful consequence because he still gets on the team just because a million and a half dollar fine. That's not a ton for, um, an NFL owner of his magnitude and six game suspension, which I don't really understand the concept of suspending owners. Like, people talk about the whole Robert Kraft situation, comparing that to Watson. Like, what would a suspension, like, what does that even mean? He just well, can't just have to watch up. the games at home? Yeah, right? <laughs> game, like, you can't what? watch the game. Yeah, not even impacting what happens on the field. <laughs> I mean, besides, like, of course, like, signing players or whatever, but... What, yeah, yeah like you're I, just what instead of watching in the booth, you're watching at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't, I really don't understand what what that means. Um, but yeah, so this is a shady league. <laughs> Watson yeah, getting no, six it, I for, think that for, for a very likely a... sexual assault, and then Stephen Ross just getting the couple picks and s- suspension from some half dozen games as well for the really bad stuff that happened behind the scenes there too. Like, yeah, the- it's, yeah. I mean, I think that it's reasonable to say that the NFL cares about the product on the field, the integrity of the game before anything else. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what has been seen. And the NFL is king though on the yeah, field. So it that's is, why but people- exactly. Well, and that's why the whole, you know, betting on a, a game gets you a full year suspension because the NFL doesn't want, to have uh, that, know, the, that compromise. You know, they don't want people to think that uh, games are fixed, that it's not oh, legit. I, I get that. So. I, I fully understand that part, but it, mm-hmm. does sound, it does sound terrible when you factor in both Watson's case and Ridley's case. Like, wow. Like, when you compare the two, it's like Watson's case is so much worse, but it's like what you said. It's compromising the integrity of the game if a player is betting on a game. And so I get why he's getting suspended longer but at the same time it doesn't feel right yeah so um yeah i mean this feels like another story that there could be more to come from it but in terms of actual punishment and stuff i don't think that we're gonna be you know that that's gonna change i think it's really just uh you know maybe we'll get like a tell-all someday in terms of what really went down behind the scenes but to this point you know it's it's big for the dolphins uh do you you do you think that this story, so this story was brought up a day after Watson's. Uh, yeah, whether this is like do to you try think, to hide it, that's actually. Yeah, do you think? Yeah. Do you think they just they just knew about this thing for a while now, but they were looking they for the right time for to, the. Uh huh. And it was going to be the day after Watson's case, so there could be less blowback. Uh, yeah, on, just again changing news cycles, like stop turn the focus off of Watson and put the focus instead on, uh, you know, Brian Flores and, and the Dolphins. So. The Bruins do this all the time whenever they fire a coach or a GM. Like, they'll do it in the middle of a 
like a championship per- parade for the Patriots. <laughs> the, I mean, I'm, the Reds, I'm not joking either. Like they've Red done Sox this. did that with uh, Dave Dombrowski. They fired him during the Patriots uh, banner ceremony in exactly. 2019. Another one. No, the so NFL they, Friday news dumps are famous. Like I thought for sure that the Watson suspension news was going to come out um, like the Friday before the fourth, but you know they did on a Monday morning, August first. Uh, you know I don't think that the MLB trade deadline has a, enough pull to to take away from that. So it was kind of announced at a time that was kind of in the news. So then yeah, you had to deflect and go and do this Dolphins news the next day to you know keep the news cycle going and make people stop talking about Watson. So, yeah, definitely, definitely something the NFL does a lot. So that is a good point. So, um, some other NFL news that actually involves the, uh, you know, players. Uh, actually, no, that's not a fair way to say it. So let's just talk about other NFL news. Um, you know, in terms of uh, this time of year, there's a lot of stories that come out with training camp. But uh, one of the big things to watch is always guys getting contract extensions right before the expiration of rookie deals or you know just other deals set to expire before you know at the end of the season teams try to lock up players and that's uh we had a few come down um that are worth talking about and kind of a little bit of an older one now but let's talk about kyler murray five years 230 and a half million dollars from the arizona cardinals 160 million guaranteed and as part of it they threw in a independent study clause that he had to watch at least four hours of film on his own with uh no cell phone no tv no video games at the same time it's been removed from the contract so i guess let's just first off start by talking about kyler murray getting locked up this kind of deal and your your thoughts on the cardinals choosing to not just extend their franchise quarterback but pay him that type of guaranteed money I know Kyler Murray is really fun to watch and really unique skill set, especially at his size. But I, I don't, I would have just played out the his rookie deal and see how he performs in his like last year of his contract, or and and then if if he improves, great and extend him. But if he doesn't, I know it sounds like a hot take, but I don't, I don't, I would not have made this deal and. I I would have been willing to even let him go if if he didn't make the jump into that elite quarterback status because I don't think watch I can't help but look back on that last game that Kyler had versus the Rams, the Rams in the playoffs. In the playoffs yeah. That had to have been one of the worst <laughs> games I've seen from a quarterback in a, a, a long time, and that was in the playoff game by a number one overall pick at quarterback. Like he was that was just embarrassing how he performed in that game, and then and then I feel even better about my take on it be after finding out the contract like not the money i mean what was in the contract the independent study for four hours was it a day or a week yeah, or four hours a week just four hours yes. a week oh yeah. my god just dude. four hours a week that's all they asked of him jesus yeah and that, that makes me feel even better about it and and then kyler came out days later after that news broke out and saying how you you can't you can't play in the nfl and not have a good work ethic i don't I don't I believe that he works hard at his game like his throwing mechanics or being in the weight room or whatever but I I totally believe the story that he probably doesn't put in the work film wise. He even said it in his rookie year. There was an article uh from a couple years ago I I think that someone put out that Kyler is not a 
he, he he's not going to kill himself in the film room. So it's like, all right, well, that shows you right there that he's not super in the film study. And maybe he's there is like a lazy side to him for that aspect. And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm not the, I'm, I'll admit, I'm starting to not be as big of a believer in Kyler Murray now than maybe past years. And so I'm, I'm not a fan of the contract. I, I, I would have played <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you kind of mentioned it being a hot take. I, I don't think it should be a hot take, but I think that's kind of the way that NFL quarterbacks and their contracts are now you have to pay guys when you get someone who is good enough to help you win games and make you relevant, regardless of whether or not it's going to help your Super Bowl chances. And I think that I, I saw a stat that in this current era of quarterback, you know, contracts or just contracts in general, given the salary cap structure, rookie deal, everything that no team has won a Super Bowl with a quarterback taking up more than 13% of the salary cap. And it makes sense because when you pay one player just a significant amount of money, then you're going to have to make sacrifices at other spots on the field. Unless you if you're the LA Rams. Yeah, but it, I, I know. <laughs> I guess maybe they would be one. that I don't know what Safford's contract is. It might not be as high because he got paid years ago versus some of the newer ones that come out. But yeah, I agree. I, I'm not a believer in Kyler Murray anymore. I liked the idea of him early in his career, thinking he's someone who could really... Um, you know, be kind of a transcendent football player, like you said, his size, his speed, I was the things to see, he's able to do. I was excited to see how he, how good he'd be earlier, early in his career, in his rookie year, in his second year, and he's good. He is, and that it probably it's probably the wrong take to say that I would just play it out and, and then let him go if he doesn't improve because he's such a huge part of their franchise that it's like all right, we we have to pay him. Like it's our franchise quarterback, and he we we. We uh, have we we drafted him to number one overall, and so yeah, uh, after a year after drafting a different quarterback in the first round, too. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the Cardinals invested a lot in him, and they they had to give him this kind of contract. I think that they could have reasonably waited a year, but Murray and his agent put out a ton of pressure. You know, had the whole passive aggressive social media deleting posts, and you know, putting out statements and stuff that I think that. You know, Murray did a, a master class in terms of being able to get this contract now instead of risking waiting until later. But it, it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look just bad on Kyler. It looks bad on the team too. The Cardinals are a bad organization. It, it looks bad on them for yeah. wait. So you just gave this guy a two hundred plus million dollar contract to a guy guaranteed. who doesn't really put in the work. To yeah, but you had to put in a clause to say you have to do homework like that. It makes. Do you think? Do you think they did that on purpose to embarrass Kyler, or do you think they're just that dumb <laughs> to, to put mean, that out there? Yeah, I, I think that it's a combination of things. I think that they wanted to have some kind of protection. So, for instance, talk about another sport, the NBA. We were talking about Zion Williamson getting a hundred ninety-one million dollar max extension for the Pelicans. And they got put a weight, a weight clause. clause. Yeah, they put a weight clause, which I think see that's, weight clause. That's you can reasonable. see. When uh-huh. it comes to the weight clause, you can see the person not putting in the work if they ballooned up. Exactly. But- you can put them on a scale, and it's a tangible thing to measure. And in theory, yeah, you can measure four hours of study, but you know, are they going to put, you, a, like, camera put a camera in, camera house, in the room right? or something? Like, how, yeah. <laughs> make sure he doesn't look at his phone on Instagram. Like, what do you, uh, how does, how does, yeah, no Twitch. I don't know streaming. how that works. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, there's a, <laughs> it's, it's a weird contract clause, and I think it makes sense to them to get rid of it. But now there's a question of: Is does that mean Kyler's just not going to put in 
the work. He's going to do the bare minimum and, you know, just kind of live his life, enjoy the $160 million that he's getting in the next five years. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Kyler Murray is a very good quarterback. I don't think he's a great Super quarterback. Talented. I don't think he's someone who can win a Super Bowl. And the fact of the matter is, Kyler Murray, first seven games of the season is very different than the last nine or ten games through the first three seasons of his career. Even like everyone talks about, yeah, last year they started seven and zero and just totally fell apart. You know, got embarrassed by the Rams in the playoffs. The year before, they were uh, a playoff contender up until Thanksgiving, fell apart. But even his rookie year, they started three three and one. They finished five ten and one, collapsed down the stretch. Which like that team didn't have the highest of expectations after being the worst in the league the year before. But you know, he's someone who's great in September and October, terrible in November, December, and January. So. Um, I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure to kind of prove that he's worth this deal and that he can turn things around. But the Cardinals are just a bad organization. I mean, th- this offseason, there are a lot of rumors over the future of uh, GM Steve Kime and head coach Cliff Kingsbury. They both got big contract extensions, keep them around for the long haul. And I don't think either of them have really deserved that, just yeah, given I I... how badly this team has faded down the stretch year after year. So, Yeah, I'm not big on Cliff Kingsbury. I think he cares too much about his the moose product on his hair than uh than, than how he I just looks. Think he's a bad coach. He's got I mean, a sweet the guy mansion. went five and seven with Patrick Mahomes, so Yeah, that too. He he does have a sweet mansion if you remember that that draft yeah, year. I, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm just not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury fan and I don't I don't I don't think it's like McVeigh. I don't I don't think he's in that class at all. I, I think it was just like you said, they got off the hot start and then they they came back to reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wouldn't be surprised if it happens again this year. They kind of get off to a hot start. Murray's kind of in a low-key MVP conversation, and then yeah, they he wants to prove the doubters wrong. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're, they they're losing to the Lions in Week 14 and or Week 15, whatever oh, it was. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, that game too. Yeah, that's that's yeah. another game you should have no business. I look the Lions. Yeah, they. I think they can be overachievers this year and. They were in a lot of close games last year, but still, losing the Lions and, and badly, not just lose by like yeah. Oh, they last, got blown out last second touchdown like the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Like they got killed in that game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I just think that there's uh there's enough reason to question this move, and um, yeah, I I uh, my view I would on not Kyler be Murray all that upset if I'm... by the year. I was excited to see how uh. good he'd be in his rookie year and second year and he has been good to an extent but you see at november december and and then now january getting into that play in the playoffs and then just completely losing his mind in that playoff game versus la and i know i know it could be good i know it's just moment, one game but, but it's the it was was his it was his first playoff game it was right? his first playoff game yeah. yeah and so your first playoff game and that's the performance you have it's just yeah i don't know mm-hmm. he has plenty of talent i don't know if he's exactly a winner though and if it was worth to give him that kind of contract. Yeah, I, I'm not a believer in him. Maybe he'll kind of come together and prove me wrong, but I, I, I might change my mind. I just but I don't I don't I don't love his the situation with, with the Cardinals right now. Yeah. No, I I I think that he's a slightly above average quarterback. I don't think he belongs in top ten conversations to this point. Um and I don't think that he's going to be getting there you know, this season or really in the future. So uh, a couple other players in the NFC West got 
pretty notable contract extensions. Uh, wide receivers, DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks and Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. Metcalf got three years, $72 million, And then a couple of days later, Debo got three years, I believe $73 million, just slightly above it. Uh, so those deals come not long after Terry McLaurin got a similar three-year, 70-ish million dollar deal from the Washington Commanders. And way back in April on draft night, A.J. Brown was traded from the Titans to the Eagles and immediately signed a four-year, $100 million extension. So I guess what are your thoughts on Metcalf and Samuel both getting these deals? I know that uh, for a while you expected one or both of them to be traded this offseason. Yeah, I thought at least one would be moved, and particularly to the Jets. There were a lot of rumors heading into the draft that one of them would be moved, or at least or they were they were both in rumors, and and the Jets were brought up uh, in the conversation a lot, just given how much draft capital they had and how wide receiver needy they were. And so, I figured one of them would be on their way, especially with DK with no more Russell Wilson on their team and look like they it's could not be a great a situation. Yeah. And so I figured, all right, well, Metcalf, I don't know why he'd still be there if it's okay, it's like him, Tyler Lockett, and then it's kind of a drop off to whoever the next best players are on the team. And then especially now that Bobby Wagner is also on a different team, mm-hmm. not just Russell Wilson. And so I figured, all right, like he's probably on the move and Seattle's gonna well, they are in a real rebuild phase either way, with him on the team or not. Yeah, so, classic rebuild with a 70-year-old head coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I thought it made a lot of sense for if, for him to get dealt and the Seahawks to get a lot of draft capital in return. So that one maybe surprised me a little bit. And then for Debo, so last year he had a really unique season last year where he was not just great as a receiver, of course, but he was actually, you could make a case he was their best running back too with the amount of rushing uh, attempts and yards, r- rushing production he had last year. And so his was really a uh, really unique situation. And uh, it got to the point where, okay, I, I thought he would. there was a chance that he could be traded. But once it got past the draft and then longer, the, the, the more time went on, it's like, all right, like he's going to be in San Fran. It's just going to be a matter of when he gets paid. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where the fact that he demanded a trade or requested a trade, whatever phrase you want to use, early on, it, it did seem like he was going to be moved. And I, I still kind of thought that it was going to happen at some point, but uh, I, I don't know what changed. It it seemed like the early reports were he didn't have any interest in sticking around San Francisco. He wanted to go closer to home in the, you know, the Carolina Atlanta type area but you know obviously he's sticking around in San Francisco they paid him a huge deal I think 58 million guaranteed so uh, definitely the kind of guy that the 49ers would want to keep around especially after going to the NFC championship game last season they're they already announced that Trey Lance is going to be their quarterback whether Jimmy Garoppolo is a backup or moved we'll see but um, the Niners keeping Samuel is huge. It's it's not like the Seahawks just keeping Metcalf because he's their best player. Um, you know they're going to be bad this year most likely. The Niners are going to be one of the better teams in the league, so uh, definitely smart of them to keep Samuel around. And my 
uh, expectation is that he's going to continue to be an awesome player because he can just do so much. You know, like you said, whether he's a wide receiver or a running back, he's he's a he's the best weapon, not just on that team, but he's the best weapon in all football. I think I think he's due for a little bit of regression because maybe the, a some, little. Some of yeah. the numbers that he put uh, up were ridiculous, were but insane. But at the same time, uh, having Lance at quarterback instead of Jimmy, who's a, another th- major threat to run the football, I think. I think him and Devo, that's a great connection. And and Trey Lance in his first game, not as a starter, but his first game uh in the regular season, he came in for Jimmy when he got injured. Uh or I don't know if I don't remember if it was no, an injury. They just or, put him in as just or, in like sub packages. And okay. stuff. He did get some opportunities to start because of injuries to Garoppolo, but I think it was only like one or two, if that but but him and Devo were productive in that game, even though it yeah. wasn't oh, yeah. even though it was just one half of football. And so I'm I'm excited to see how that connection works because I even though, like I said, Debo's probably due for a little bit of regression. I still think, I still think. That yeah, I mean, his numbers work. might not be as high as they were last year, but I still think that he's going to put up, you know, ridiculous stats, and he's going to prove the Niners uh, correct to wanting to keep him and not just wanting to trade him because he asked for one. So, and he has um, rushing incentives in his contract as well, where he gets an additional. I, I don't, I don't have the number in front of me, but he gets an additional X number of dollars if he scores certain amount of touchdowns or rushing yards uh, okay. in a season. Yeah, I didn't see that, but that that's very reasonable that he's you know has the opportunity to be paid for both positions, not just what he does as a wide receiver. So, um, and I, I guess you know now that these two got locked up, in addition to other players, there's uh, a lot of questions about Deontay Johnson, who is doing the uh, the new age holdout, which is a hold in where you show up to training camp, you just don't practice with the team. He wants a big contract extension. Um, Seals have a new GM in Omar Khan, but he's from the Stephen Colbert mold, and the former Seals GM only handed out two long-term second contracts to wide receivers in his 20 years, uh, Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown. So I guess just kind of removing that factor aside, do you believe that Deontay Johnson is worth a extension contract somewhere in the range of what those other guys have uh, received this offseason? Sure, why not? I'm okay. I mean, I'd I would probably take Metcalf and Debo over Deontay and and maybe even Terry as well, but he's still really good. I I don't have much of a argument to say otherwise, other than the fact that he's. I would take those other three guys over him, but he's still really good, and he's their best receiver. So, I think he's worth around that kind of money as well. And, so I, yeah. I, I don't have an argument. I don't have a great <laughs> argument to say otherwise. Like, uh-huh. like oh no, no I, I agree. I think <laughs> <Don't> that <pay. laughs> uh, I just don't know that it's reasonable. Just thinking of the Steelers, whether or not they would want to invest that kind of money in a wide maybe receiver, like three or sixty million. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, if he would take that kind of deal, I think that that would uh, make a lot of sense. But it, he has he has his question marks. He's someone who he does, past there two were, seasons there he's phenomenal he, to start the year, and then he has the drops at the there, end of the there season. Are, there, I will say there have been times I thought it improved last year, but there have been times where he does drop uh, more passes than he should. But I think that part of his game has improved last year compared to well, no. So I, I, I think it's easy to think that because that first season the drops they didn't really start until like that after Thanksgiving, like that game against the Ravens on a Wednesday afternoon. He had a, a few in that one, and then it was just every week he'd have multiple to the point where he was benched. And then 
last season, he only had one drop prior to Thanksgiving, and then they started to pile up again late in so the season. That's probably why I thought that. Exactly. That, and that's, I, that's probably why I don't remember that because I remember uh, in the early portion of the season that part wasn't a factor the, the drop yeah that he wasn't dropping it but it, no it was the same same thing it was just like they always happen at the end of the season I think he had like three or four in the playoff loss to the Chiefs and it, they were pretty big ones too so uh I don't think that he's going to strong arm his way into an extension uh the Steelers famously don't give contract extensions mid-season they don't want it to be any kind of distraction uh among players who get those versus those who don't I would like to see him play out a season with a new quarterback, whether it's Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, who I, I don't believe is going to be the guy. I'm sure it'll be either Trubisky or, or Kenny Pickett. Pickett. Yeah, I mean, Mason Rudolph, Mason some people like, oh, Rudolph. he looks great. And <laughs> he looks great playing football in shorts. But then I think first day of pads uh, did not have the same results. But yeah, I mean, I, I would, I'm excited to see what he can do. Like you said, he's the Steelers' best wide receiver. He's the most proven one. Chase Claypool had a lot of... Uh, he was awesome that first year in 2020. Not as good last slump. year. And then yep, I can't. And then, I can't help look back at that game versus Minnesota when he, you know, pointed for a first down, and then yep. up, and then yep. and it was crunch he, time. The clock yeah. is ticking. Uh-huh. So no, and Johnson. I mean, his his issues are drops. Like that. That's what it is with him. I mean, he's he's gonna have a personality just like any other young wide receiver in the NFL, but it's not to the point of Claypool where it's an actual detriment to the team. Like in that situation. Um, but yeah, after those two guys, there's a lot of rookies, a lot of, you know, guys that are trying to catch on after being on different teams. So, um, Deontay Johnson is definitely important to this team. I don't think the Steelers should trade him this year just to get a second round pick or whatever. I think that he should at least play out the year. And then depending on how this goes, figure things out. If that means slap the franchise tag on him and try to work out a deal or, you know, however they go about it. But I don't think that the Steelers should be giving him. 25 million or you know anything close to that right now so um, fair yeah no and i i, I get i think it's he's not probably t- maybe he's, yeah those other no, guys but, like, are, he's are probably better, worth he's getting really a big good. contract extension but yes no he is really good i just i don't know and i don't think it's gonna happen i'll be really surprised if they announce like a you know like you said even a three-year 60 million dollar deal i'd be surprised if that happens so I guess we'll I see. A, I just threw out a number. I, I don't. No, I, don't I mean really, that, that's what they, Mike those Williams Those other guys got, got three for seventy. Makes sense. So I just, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and I, I think that it's a reasonable contract. I think it's just a question of whether the Steelers would actually be willing to do that right now. And I don't think they're going to do it just to get them to start practicing. I don't think that it's not like the T.J. Watt situation last year. Where it's like they're going to give him money in the end. So, um, but all right, I think that's it for NFL talk right now. And uh, let's talk about sport that we really only talk about when something really big happens that's uh, major league <laughs> baseball and tuesday august 2nd was the mlb trade deadline and when you talk about really big uh we did have something really big really a second year in a row with huge uh trade deadline moves and of course the uh the biggest one was juan soto being traded from the washington nationals to the san diego padres our last episode two weeks ago, we talked about Soto turning down a 15-year, $440 million extension from the Washington Nationals, and the Nats you know, now decided to trade him to the Padres. I guess, what are your thoughts on on this move that some are calling the biggest trade in MLB history? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Come on. Babe Ruth feels like that's still... <laughs> yeah, I think Babe Ruth is a little bit... Sh- a in the modern era, maybe, you can argue. I don't it. even know about that. Like, there have been... Other crazy ones, but I, I guess it's the biggest one for today because 
the he's one of the best hitters in baseball, and the Nationals had no choice really but to deal him because they offered him a contract that he still said no to, and I'm sure had a lot to do with the AAV because he was getting 440 million, but it was over a 15 year span, and so I'm sure that's a big reason why he thinks he can get higher AAV elsewhere, and so so it's good on the Nats that they dealt him and they can restart uh, with with the roster and the farm system that they have so good for them but it's also good for the Padres because if they want to compete for a World Series they have to compete with some pretty good teams in the National League especially one in their own division in the Dodgers and even though I think the Dodgers are the, some of the biggest chokers in the in sports and they're still a great team that always wins 100 games and if they want to compete for World Series I'd imagine that they have to get past them uh, in not only the division but also I'd imagine in the playoffs too. And so I think it's a good move for how can I say it's not a good move for the Padres? <laughs> unless, uh-huh. unless if uh I, I guess if he signs elsewhere, I, you're taking a risk, but You still have him for your two and a half years, right? Two and a half oh uh, okay, so it's Til not just twenty twenty four twenty twenty four. Oh, okay. I thought it was twenty twenty three. Okay. Yeah, so you said the Nats had to trade him. They didn't have to trade him. They could have offered him more money. They could have held on to him and, you know, see if they could turn things around in terms of his standing with the team, well, it's just I that think when, the Nats when that is reported, then it sounds yes. all right. Like this no, is as far as we'll go. And so I will say, if they wouldn't have been willing to give him more than that, yes, they that's what I mean. Yeah, yes. it sounds like they and weren't, it, and they got a pretty good package. I think there's a lot of back and forth on it. You know, it's to me, it's similar to like when Anthony Davis was traded from the Lakers to the Pelicans, and that you're not going to win a trade when you trade a top five player in the sport superstar but if you can get something really good back in return then yeah. it's like all right i can't blame them for what and, they got back. yeah and the pelicans ended up getting a guy in brandon ingram who has uh, morphed into an all-star player and you know while josh hart um didn't really become and, and a lot he turned in cj mccollum lonzo was yeah kind of a disappointment they get all these picks out of it so in the end new orleans did did well and i think washington based on what they got they got a haul it's one of the the biggest uh just in terms of size and talent they got a ton of padres top prospects they got their number one prospect in robert hassel outfielder uh, they also got james wood who i think is an outfielder power bat he's now the nationals number four prospect they got this 18 year old um susanna who throws 100 miles an hour so he's kind of a lottery ticket he's also a nationals top 10 prospect they got cj abrams and mackenzie gore who were for years at not just the top of san diego system but in the entire league i think both of them are kind of graduated from the prospect list uh, at the major league level and then they also got luke voigt which uh you know, kind of just a throw in in terms of contracts and stuff. But it, the Nationals got a big haul. So if you're going to trade Soto, I think they did well enough. And it's better than the Betts deal. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And it makes the Mookie Betts deal look horrible because Mookie Betts is, you know, he was right still up there. He wasn't as five. young. Yeah, but he's still a top 10 player or so. And the Red Sox, they, all they got back in return was Alex an Verdugo outfield. Yeah, and, Verdugo and a, a couple of minor leaguers who are really not going to pan out in the, in the yeah, I majors mean, that they've even got like. yeah so so i'm sure it's a better deal i'm not i'm not, I'm not sure i'm uh the I'm, odds I'm, of all none the of those guys in the world that the national uh-huh. deal is much better than the red sox one. yeah i mean the, Look, i'm someone that if i were a gm in baseball i'll admit i probably would have the approach to like dombrowski where I, I give me the veterans like i and and i don't really care about 
Because, like, these prospects, okay, you just talked about how one of them is the number one guy, number one prospect uh, in baseball, and then a guy who throws 100 miles an hour. And when you, there are, there are guys that are not going to pan out, and most of them probably won't mm-hmm. pan out, but there are select ones that's like, all right, like, this guy, like, so they, like you said, number one prospect, like, that's a legit piece. So when the Red Sox, they traded Chris Sale, they had to trade Yoan Mankata, who was like one of the best prospects coming up. And so. Yep. And Michael Kopech, who is also too. in the same boat. I mean, two legitimate. So I think the the better comparison, Miguel Cabrera, when he was traded from the Florida Marlins to the Detroit Tigers in like 2008, he was traded for Andrew Miller. And I can't even think of who the other player was, but they were both like top 10 prospects in all of baseball, not just in the Tigers system. And I don't think Miller really turned into much with Florida. He eventually was great caught Cleveland. on. Well, he was a great reliever. The problem was he was a starting pitcher at the time. And the fact that I can't even remember who the other guy that he was traded for tells you that it didn't really work out and it wasn't great for the Marlins. But, um, you know, it's that was kind of the comparison because I think Cabrera was like 24. He was young when he was traded. So it was a similar situation. And while the Tigers haven't won a World Series with Miguel Cabrera, they got there a couple times. Like they've been relevant. So I think that... The, uh, the trade was worth it, even though yes. it didn't. Result and it, it in the ended World up Series. being very much a they, huge win for the Tigers. So they were re- they were relevant for for about a half dozen years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's there's a question. I mean, we'll see how this plays out. My guess is that some of these guys for the Nationals are going to be really solid major league players, but are any of them going to be like Soto? Almost guaranteed no. I mean, Juan Soto is a special player, and the fact he's only 23 years old makes you believe he's going to be a special player for a very long time. So I love this deal for the Padres. I like it for the Nats. If you're going to trade them, they did well enough. But San Diego, like you said, you got to compete with the Dodgers. They're 12 games back in the division. They're, I think, four and a half back of the Braves for the top wild card. So the way that this works, since there's six MLB teams, you're going to have... Uh, a best of three first round series in all likelihood San Diego is going to have to play three games in Atlanta or in New York against the Mets and then if they win they're going to have to go to LA to take on the Dodgers so it's going to be a tough path for them but acquiring Juan Soto and some of the other guys that uh, we'll get to later I think makes them a much more serious threat and you know last year this time we were saying the Dodgers are the huge winners they got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from this same Washington Nationals team Padres struck out on those guys and they absolutely collapsed down the stretch didn't even finish above 500 let alone um, have any kind of serious playoff contention so the fact that they're going out making this move I feel really good about this team and they're gonna have uh one of the best trade deadline acquisitions in Fernando Tassis Jr., who still hasn't played this season. So, <laughs> Forgot about him. Yeah, so San Diego, is uh, they're very much in a, a great spot, yep. and this, this Ta- is a, a great move for them. Tatis, Machado, and Juan Soto, that's a pretty good yeah. trio of players. You know, they got to compete with um, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner in L.A., so. And, uh, so that's you why know, it's that, a great that, move for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So... Um, another guy who is a super special talent that was thought to be potentially on the move at the deadline, Shohei Otani, ultimately staying with the Angels. And, uh, I think that one of the, the best ways that I've heard this described is good for business, good for the Angels, bad for baseball. In general. That's what I was, that's what I was just about to say. Like, I don't <laughs> care about the, 
how this helps for the Angels or hurts them. I don't care. This sucks for baseball. This is the most exciting player we've had in what? Tw- 10 20 years or maybe you longer can argue maybe ever. since Babe Ruth <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so yeah a guy who can pitch and hit the way he does uh, there's no one like him uh, anywhere in, in, in baseball mm-hmm. so yeah and, and he's being wasted in freaking LA and not even the Dodgers Anaheim. the Angels <laughs> yeah uh-huh. like in Anaheim not even the 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 better more known LA team the the Anaheim well, it's only a waste because the Angels are terrible. doesn't matter how much they invest in this team. doesn't matter what they do. Nothing ever seems to work out for them. And they've been awful this year. <laughs> they fired Joe Madden after a huge losing streak and didn't change at all. And also and walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded, that was just genius on his part. If you remember that. You don't, you don't remember well, that? I thought that was Tony La Russa with the White I thought, Sox. No, I thought that was Joe Madden. Did he really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Joe Madden. Okay. Oh no. Yes. Yes. You're right. That that did happen. No. I think Tony Larusa intentionally walked him with two strikes, and then the next guy homered. Yeah. But Joe Madden w- intentionally walked Corey Seager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that Madden just you know we talked about him. He We're care- not a fan he, of him. He cares too much about uh, wanting to be the man uh, as the manager or wanting to get credit uh, for for wanting to think outside the box too much. Like that's shaving his, his head his into a mohawk a couple hours before being fired, <laughs> that, thinking he'd yeah. turn around the team. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a hilarious story. But anyway, yeah, the Angels are. It, it's incredible how you can have Mike Trout and now Shohei Otani for these past couple seasons and still not even be close to a playoff contender. They finished below 500 every year. In the uh, the COVID season in 2020, when eight teams made the playoffs, they still didn't get in. And yeah, I mean, coming into this year, I remember talking about it in our season preview. Just, You're like, I'm picking seeing, the Angels because they have to get up, in yeah, eventually. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think no, they, they suck. can. I, yeah. I keep, I keep holding on hope that guys like that can get into the playoffs because they're the best players in mm-hmm. the league. I mean, they the best, are the best players in every other league. They make it to like LeBron and Steph Curry in the NBA. Yeah, they, they go to like NBA, the NBA finals, finals every year. Or, and, yeah. And, and then it, it's just not the same in baseball. And then the NFL, but, we see all this the, the best quarterbacks, teams with the best quarterbacks, and, and of course the rest of the roster. But it's really the quarterbacks, the stars, they're always making it to the Super Bowl. And then, and then hockey, hockey's all right. Like maybe hockey's a little bit, uh, not as, uh, probably more like baseball when it comes to it's really more of the team than the stars. But well, the, I mean the Avalanche. Seen Crosby and Ovechkin a, uh, uh, make it. They make the playoffs every year. They they go on deep runs, and yeah, I mean baseball. It it's it's inherently different because it's it's not a sport where just a single player can make a huge impact. It's always going to be, you know, it takes a full team. Only one guy bats at a time. You know, you have only one pitcher on the mound. You have only you know one or couple it, guys it, are involved. That in is the problem. Plays. That is a problem. Partially a problem with baseball is that your best players aren't can possibly be not out there in crunch time. Where yeah, only once every three innings they can get a shot. Yeah. So and so it, it could be the bomb of your lineup in the in the ninth inning with the game mm-hmm. on the line and your best players like on deck or not even on deck yet. And so yeah, that's kind of a problem with the sport. No, and I think the Angels are stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to Shoyotani because how can you justify trading him 
because of the PR hit. I mean, that oh, that's, sure yeah. that's the big thing. I mean, it, how can the Angels, without being just absolutely blown away by just a ridiculous offer, how can they justify trading him? And then in terms of keeping him and signing him, he's going to, what, what is his value? 50 something million at least right i mean you look at a lot of uh the comparisons people throwing out saying he's compared to like this 25 million dollar hitter in this 35 million dollar pitcher the money that baseball players make is ridiculous when you got guys turning down two players you got guys turning down 400 million and you got some guy named Austin Riley getting a ten-year, two hundred million-dollar contract, and I've barely heard of the guy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's really good. I, I was a little I, I know, surprised but like, by that, but no, it, it it took him a while to really get going. But do you know what I'm saying though? It's like a guy I've barely have heard of getting that kind of money. And it's like if he gets that money, what is Shohei gonna get? And, and it's other gonna be players? insane. Yeah, I mean, it, whatever he gets, it's gonna blow Juan Soto out of the water. You know, I guess it depends on how how long the contract is. But if you're paying Otani forty or forty million, it might be like a six year deal. <laughs> like it's it's going to be ridiculous. So I don't know if the Angels do that. And you know, the worst case scenario would just be losing him in free agency. But you can argue that it's the most likely because trading him is a bad look. And I don't know if the team is going to justify paying him. Um, you know, I, I think that it makes sense for the Angels to completely blow everything up because things are not going well. You have the whole Mike Trout back injury concern, whether that's going to affect the rest of his career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty remarkable how the Angels continue to do this. But Otani's staying in L.A. He's not going to be in the playoffs this season once again. And, um, you know, at least Soto got got moved. We'll get to see him. Because yeah, I guess you know, assuming the Padres don't fall apart this year, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty good chance that we'll get to see him in the playoffs. So, um, let's talk about our mutual team, the Boston Red Sox. And there's a lot of questions about what they would do this MLB trade deadline, and they uh, didn't end up being huge sellers. They end up almost being more buyers, actually, despite being in last place, below 500. And they did trade away catcher Christian Vazquez, but he's the only pending free agent. Kept Nate Evaldi, kept J.D. Martinez, kept Kike Hernandez, uh, you know, a handful of other guys that they realistically could have moved. They ended up taking on Eric Hosmer after he turned down the Nationals, part of that Soto deal. And they also traded for Tommy Pham. Guys, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the Red Sox moves? Uh, I would I would respect the Red Sox more if they were fully committed to being buyers or fully committed to being sellers. And if you're if they're fully committed to be buyers, like hey, we're a playoff team. If we get in the playoffs, anyone can win it. And they're committed to going quote unquote all in and trying to win a championship. But if you if you commit to being sellers, it's like all right, like hey, like this is not our time. We got to do what's best for the team long term than the short term. And so I wish they'd fully commit to one side or the other, but trading away Vasquez, your best catcher. I'm not saying he's uh, some Hall of Fame catcher or anything, but he's he's pretty good. He's a decent bat, and he's decent behind the plate uh, catching. And 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 so they have to start Plowecki and uh, this other guy that they got and Reese McGuire. Yeah, Reese McGuire. Yeah. Who so really, I guess 
really stuck out in Chicago and not not on the field. <laughs> well, no, that was when he was in Toronto. So oh, he actually Toronto. he was a Pirates prospect, really really top catching prospect. They traded to Toronto to dump Francisco Liriano's contract there, and yeah, that was when he was kind of caught in a. Yeah. I think it was, was it a Dollar Tree parking I think it was lot. I think a do- yeah, the dollar dollar tree park. Yeah, yeah, really absurd story. And of course, he gets traded for a guy named Jake Diekman. Yeah. <laughs> How, well, if why would you have? First of all, why would you do that? Like, you can't just con- control yourself and just wait until you you're in a private uh, yeah, like your home. I, I or don't whatever. know this but, story. That's yeah. And another thing is like, wouldn't why would you have your whole thing out? <laughs> like, wouldn't you just? I I, I don't want to go into full detail, yeah. but yeah, like when. I mean... <laughs> Like, why would you have yourself fully exposed <laughs> like that? Like, why wouldn't if you wanted to hide it and do it there? Like, you clearly you, didn't. When you put try your to hide cold, it, yeah. Keep it in your pants is basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I I would rather talk more about trading Vasquez than acquiring Reese McGuire because like oh, so I, you're so you're not excited about the chronic <laughs> master batter behind the plate now. <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm not excited about this. I, I I mean, honestly, I hate the Red Sox deadline. I uh, I don't I, understand I, I'm not a fan of, why I, they did this half in, half out. I'm not a the fan teams, of it either. So, like, yeah, they're 52 and 52 right now. Uh, you know, they're 500. They're 18 games back of the Yankees. They're three games out of the wild card, which you know it doesn't sound like a lot, but they're so. They're like in the same spot as Cleveland, res- Baltimore, and Chicago. They so were there's six, a ton of teams they have to pass. They were six and sixteen in the month of July and had a minus seventy five run differential. Yeah, they it was not, awful getting it, blown out that, by everybody. I know they went twenty and, and the six Yankees in June. and the Blue Jays in particular. <laughs> like, they're not they're eleven and twenty nine versus the AL East this year. It's it's pathetic. That's just awful. I think what happened in July is I know it's recency bias, but I truly believe that this past month is I know that things can turn around quickly, and in the playoffs, anyone who makes it has a chance. But I've seen this past month of how they performed. I really feel like it's more towards that than how they performed in June. Because in June, it's like, all right, well, they're being up on these bad teams, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, let's see how they do against real competition in division competition. And they got their ass kicked. Yeah, versus- thirteen to two, <laughs> fourteen to one, twenty-eight to twenty-eight five. to five. That's a good. Yeah, I really thought there was gonna be a Patriots comeback. Gonna be a hell of a story when they just, uh, come back. Yeah, but- just horrible. And like, I agree with you. I think that that is more of what the team was. And they had all these pending free agents they could have traded away, and they're holding on to them. And yeah, okay, maybe they do end up making the playoffs. I don't think that this is a team. Even if that they make the compete. playoffs, they they, just- they can't compete with the Yankees. They proved that they can't compete with the Astros. Can't I know they beat Toronto. them on Monday night, but like I don't, I don't believe in their chances against any of these teams. And yeah, Toronto, you're going to go there without a closer if you have to play them in the playoffs. Well, that's like, true. Uh, Jaron Duran at least got vaccinated. You know? Oh, did he? Yeah, he fi- he finally got vaccinated, but he probably should have done more research on whether or not he should go chase the ball in center field, the one that he <laughs> that was, you know that decided the to just not go I after. Don't understand. I inside know. the park video made no sense to me. Inside the park uh, grand slam. That was really the. The, that was that was basically the microcosm of uh, how the Red Sox season, yeah. or really the past month, has gone. No, and they they got some good prospects by taking on Eric Cosmer, but I still don't love the idea of rolling him out at first base. Well, they the finally got years. an actual first baseman. They don't have to play. <laughs> I mean, I, they don't have to play yeah, French Ranch uh, at first base anymore. <laughs> Franchi Cordano, who can't play in the in the big leagues, he's no, not. No. Not only can he not play first base, he I, I he can't straight up can't play, which just. 
I, I, of all the moves that the Red Sox have made in my life, I this is gonna sound stupid, but the Benintendi trade might be my least favorite trade ever because that was okay. Yes, he kind of underachieved uh, with the Red Sox. Someone who was a highly touted prospect being drafted top ten overall and being College Player of the Year. But okay, in twenty twenty, yes, he was terrible, but so was everybody, and it, and, and that was a obviously not a great year for obvious reasons in a pandemic and half season. And so I would have liked to see him rebound and, and then have Cora back because he certainly made an impact on Ben Attendee's career uh, back in 2018. And so it was stupid to sell low on a player like that and then get the return that they had. And now Ben Attendee is an, was an all-star in Kansas city. And then he got traded to New York and that just makes me hate it even more. It's, it sucks that, that French, uh, that Franchi Cordero committed three errors in that game and cost the Red Sox a win. And then all of a sudden, minutes later, I see that Benintendi's getting traded to the biggest rival. Just like that's that's just perfect. This, yeah, great timing. Yeah, I so I I didn't love Benintendi the same way that a lot of others did. I will um, flame it. I was in the camp of guys of guys that wanted to see his potential. Like I, I, I really believe yeah, that it, he had potential. To I get it. Him. Like obviously, looking back, the trade is awful. Um, you know, got nothing back for him. And I'm not, uh, I'm not mad. I'm more mad about them selling low on him. Yeah, if, no, if they and didn't I get believe that. in That's, him. How about uh-huh. how about play it out in 2021 and see him have a good year or 2022? And it would have been 2021. Yeah, right. But yeah, 2021 and have him perform well and then try to trade him for more value. So it's not that they moved him that makes me mad. It's who they, what they got in return for him. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. Um, yes, it, it would have been nice uh, if they got more. And then obviously he he became an all-star with the Royals, and now he's on the Yankees. Um, you know, when the, that happened, I my immediate reaction was I'd rather the Yankees get him than a guy like Juan Soto. Uh, but I still... Yeah, I mean, it still sucks that, you know, the Yankees have a former Red Sox player who's playing really well on them. And um, New York definitely got better at the deadline, uh, you know, in addition to Ben Attendi, some of the other guys they acquired. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as upset about that going down. Um, you know, obviously there's some questions. Is it Ben Attendi? He's another guy with the unclear vaccination status. Um, he wasn't able to play against uh toronto at the end of the first half we'll see if he's able to play there in september when the yankees go back and i do love the idea of them losing uh you know in the playoffs to toronto because he's not able to play for them but um yeah i don't know maybe he'll decide to go on and get vaccinated i mean the blue jays trader for whit merrifield so obviously another there's an expectation a lot of royals he's players. going to yeah, they had 10 guys. So, you know, Maryfield straight up said, if I get traded to a contender, maybe I'll get vaccinated. And maybe. the Royals oh. team was pissed about that. But, I mean, if he's going to Toronto, he has to. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, obviously that is like a minor factor when it comes down to it, given that, you know, they just play three games against Toronto and they're not guaranteed to play them in the playoffs. But, yeah, yeah. Um, no, bad bad trade deadline for the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not, not happy about it. Just no. You, you trade away your best catcher, and but then all of a sudden your buyers too, where you you get 
okay, you get we we talked about the catcher already yeah, having his yeah, had his Pham. issues. Yeah, yeah, and and okay, Hosmer, he's obviously not the same player. At least he's a first baseman. Like that's that's the part yeah. I'm happy about. No, I get it. It's wise. a position of need. But, yeah, but he's not Josh he's, Bell, who also went to San Diego and kind of forced Hosmer out. But he's I'm, that's the one I'm least concerned about because they finally got an actual first baseman uh fielding wise and hitting wise okay he's not the same but whatever but the, I'm I'm more mad about the other moves like getting rid of Vasquez and then getting in a catcher with 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 that incident and then Tommy Pham he's another guy who's a lunatic too because <laughs> the whole jockey because he incident. yeah <laughs> all over a about an it first Fantasy of all, that football. was the first first of all that was the wildest uh, thing wildest story I've seen in baseball in years and it had more to do with football than baseball so yeah yeah <laughs> slapping Jock Peterson over a fantasy football argument I love uh, what I love that Jock <laughs> Peterson just came out and just straight up just told everyone detail as as you can be about what exactly went down and why it went down and uh-huh. I was fully on Jock Peterson's side like, who cares like just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't use a player on IR. What, what, what is that? What it was like? He. I. Yeah, I forget. It was something along those lines. I really don't care about other people's fantasy football leagues. I don't care if they're professional baseball players. So I, I didn't read too much into the specifics. I just, you know, still a wild scenario to have that play out before the game. Two guys get in a fight over fantasy football. But it was really uh, more of Tommy Pham, though, than Oh, I know. Jock. He was the problem. Yeah. No, Pham was, was just, the one who slapped yeah, him. So. Jock uh, Peterson got slapped, and then he had to explain why it happened. And it's like, yeah, Tommy Pham is kind of the dick in this situation. And then Jock Pierce was a starting <laughs> player in the All-Star game, and I, I'd imagine he got votes because of uh, that incident. And so... <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure most of it's because of his play, but I'm sure some of it also had to do with that fantasy football incident. And so yeah, so we're getting two great role models uh back <laughs> in the trade deadline, which is is just great. And yeah, I'm I'm sticking with that take in that I, I did not care for it their deadline and I've I, look, I know the Red Sox have won four World Series in our lifetime, but I gotta say of the the four pro teams I root for, I, I think they're the most dis- dysfunctional of, of the because yes, they have plenty of World Series, but they also have so many just bad seasons of last place and having these off-field controversies. Nothing yeah, the, is worse the than the 2012 room. chicken beer incident. Yeah, but it's that, a so, re- yeah, this is a really low point right now for the Red Sox. Honestly, I don't hate that they have some of these bad seasons because I think it makes the the World Series wins like that much more fun. Uh, you know, it makes it when they're actually good because the fact that it's like every other year they could win it all or they could go in last place, it, it makes it interesting. Which is and great, think... but it's just so dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yes, I agree. Um, yeah, so I guess anyway, let's uh, let's kind of wrap up our trade deadline talk in a way with our um, biggest winners and losers. So let's start with biggest winners. So I'll let you kind of get started. With I don't your have anything other than I don't have besides the Padres. Like I don't have okay. a. Besides that, like because that's the obvious one. They are the obvious. But one, I don't. Yes. So like I don't have a unique one like other than them. Okay, so so I'm I gonna do. Go I'll, okay, all right. I I can get into I figured, it. So the I Padres, not even just Juan Soto, um, but it started. They also got they, Josh Hader. They got yes. So they got Josh Bell as part of the deal. Uh, he's great power bat. I think he's an upgrade over Eric Cosmer at first base. So and he hits he's going to help them. They got Josh Hader from the Milwaukee yeah. Brewers, one of the best closers in baseball. He so. hasn't had a great 
year this year, but he's been he's just been struggling the past. He's been struggling like, this month year, so. but he's still a great reliever. Yeah, well, and is no, a lefty, so, which is makes it yes. even more. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he um he didn't give up a run until June, and then had a really terrible stretch recently so right now he hasn't been pitching the best but if he can kind of regain his form yeah no he's awesome he's an awesome player so that's huge to them um they also extended joe musgrove five-year hundred million he was set to be one of the biggest um free agent starting pitchers and they end up keeping him home san diego native former Pittsburgh pirate just like bell who they just acquired and they also traded for brandon drury Kind of a super utility guy. 20 home runs with the Reds this year. He's having an awesome career season. So if he's able to keep that up in San Diego, he can play all over the place. I think that, you know, it's not obviously Soto is a big headline, but they they did a ton to improve their standings. I, I got one unique winner. How about, okay. how about uh, Don Orsillo? <laughs> yeah, oh, he's going to have a you remember the you remember the thing with the Jerry yes. Remy thing and... He had this nice video they wanted to put up, but the Red Sox wouldn't let him. And then he mm-hmm. put something out on Twitter saying that the Red Sox did him dirty. And now he sees that the team he's announcing now is uh, is great. <laughs> they, they picked up yeah. a lot of great pieces. No, they're a lot of fun. And now they're a favorite to one of the favorites to Slam win the World Diego. Series. And now he sees that the Red Sox are falling <laughs> to pieces. So yeah, Don Rosillo yeah. is the is okay. the real winner. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think that's the answer you're looking for, but that's the no, one. No, no, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, yes, Padres games are going to be fun to watch, and Don Arcello is, is a part of that. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, two, two teams that I also want to throw out there, uh, Seattle Mariners and the Philadelphia Phillies. So heading into the season, I was not a believer in either of these teams. Uh, very popular picks to make the playoffs by a lot of people, given that Seattle was just barely missed last year. Phillies went out and signed Nick Cassianos and Kyle Schwarber. A lot of people thought their offense would be awesome. Um, I didn't believe in Seattle because they haven't made the playoffs in yeah, Seattle, 20 I was straight not... seasons. So I just figured, yeah, they'll Seattle find a way not to a not be good again. They're obviously better than expected, but it's like what you said. They haven't done squat in the past 20 years. Like what? Uh, what's going to change now? And so I... Yeah, and they went out and uh, – I mean, so they, they – for a long time, I looked kind of smart because they were – Really disappointing, and, then they, and, and then below five hundred. They won fourteen in a row down yeah, the first half. We're about to have Moneyball two come out in this in yeah. the next couple of years with with uh with the way they were playing, having a almost Oakland A's kind of winning streak. Oh yeah, I know it was, it was incredible end to the first half, and uh, Jerry Depoto, you know, he loves making trades, and he went out and got arguably the best starting pitcher that could have been moved in Luis Castillo from the Reds and did give up some solid prospects. I think three of their top five in uh, their system went back to Cincinnati, but this is a win now move. They go out and get a guy in Castillo who's going to immediately help them. And if the Mariners make the playoffs, he's going to be a key starting pitcher um, for that team who really needs a guy that they can rely on. So I think that's, that's awesome for them. And I'm definitely starting to believe in them and take them seriously, just given the way they've played in July um and the Phillies also looked kind of terrible to start the season they and fired they Joe Girardi yeah I mean well things were going really poorly for them but they fired Joe Girardi and immediately I think they won 13 in a row themselves so um, they ended up back in playoff position now and at the deadline they went out and got starting pitcher 
no, a cinder guard from the Angels, and then they also got outfielder Brandon Marsh, who he's been struggling offensively, but he's he's a great defender. He has some speed. I think that's more important to the Phillies, and they also got reliever David Robertson. We know that the Phillies was, historically was, have a terrible bullpen, and uh, he's he's an he's awesome a good reliever that was talked a lot mm-hmm. in the deadline. Yeah, so I really like those moves, and I think that, you know, like the Mariners, the Phillies did a lot to kind of help. And another long drought. I think they have the longest playoff drought in the National League. They haven't been since 2011, back when guys like Ryan Howard and Chase Chase Utley Utley and Jimmy Jimmy Rollins. Those are good teams. I mean, even though they only won once, Mm -hmm. they were still... And they they went back to the World Series again the year after. So, yeah, they were stacked in in that era, and so... yeah. Yeah, so definitely a big fan of uh, both of those teams' moves and you know the way that they've positioned themselves going into the the stretch these final two months of the season. Um, any big losers? Oh, come on, the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't even know who'd be second. Okay, no, I mean I agree. I um I figured that you would throw out the Red Sox, so just a couple other teams. I, just, I so. answer it before you even finish your question. Like Red Sox, it's not yeah. Even- um so the the san francisco giants so a year ago they won 107 games and this year things have fallen apart and what happens you know well the dodgers went out and got freddie freeman in the offseason they got even better and now the padres just added juan soto so the giants after that one season of 107 wins and losing to the dodgers in the nlds uh they ended up being kind of sellers they didn't trade everybody but they did move a couple pieces and they are probably not going back to the playoffs this season and things are not looking great for them long term compared to those uh two big rivals of theirs so i have them as a big loser of the deadline st louis cardinals um struck out on juan soto apparently they wouldn't trade dylan carlson for him there were there were a lot of rumors about the cardinals being a a destination for juan soto mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I don't know the if deadline. they could have beat that Padres package given what they have, but they they didn't even try, so they ended up not getting him. You mean Pujols um, wasn't in the the, the trade talks? <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> they uh, he almost they, beat him in the home run derby. I, I don't. He, I, I thought yeah, that, you're right. I know <laughs> that's not um, convincing enough. They uh, one-year-old Albert Pujols. <laughs> yeah, so they they really needed starting pitching help. Jack Flaherty's probably not pitching this season. Um, Steven Matz might not either guy they signed to a big deal in free agency they end up trading for Jose Quintana from the Pirates and Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees who are two I mean they're solid kind of back of the rotation guys but they they weren't going to get Luis Castillo from the Reds but they missed out on Frankie Montes who ends up going to the Yankees I think they could have done a lot more and they're a team that is on the outside looking in for a playoff berth you know I'm not going to rule them out Cardinals and their devil magic you know we've seen them kind of turn things around in the past and make surprise playoff runs as recently as last season but uh, I think they have to be considered pretty big losers just given uh, the expectations versus reality of their trade deadline Um, I'm saying the Milwaukee Brewers not necessarily because I think trading Josh Hader was like a big surprise you know he's someone who's been in trade rumors for years now everyone knows the volatility of relief pitchers Um, Milwaukee's still good they're still they're they're first place in their division and they had to they had to put out a statement defending the trade and it it wasn't even like they got a bad package back they got um 
Taylor Rogers. Him, I think Taylor is the one who's on the Padres. He's going to be their new closer. They have an elite relief pitcher in Devin Williams who might move into that more ninth inning role. Um, they got a couple decent prospects back. They actually have one guy. I can't think of his name right now, but he um, he has 60 stolen bases in 77 minor league games. You know, everyone says the steal is dead, and you look at his numbers. That's not the case at all, at That's least for this guy. I, I, the st- stolen bases does feel dead because because there there were guys in the 80s who could steal 100 bases like Ricky Henderson mm-hmm. or 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 whomever. Ozzy Smith. Ozzy yeah. Smith, Lou Brock, whatever. Like there have been like every guys who could steal 100 bases and then that doesn't even hap- happen now whatsoever. Yeah. And then analytics is El- just Ellsbury it's not worth it. was who used to be like the best stolen base guy. He would be in the 50s, which is great, but that's nowhere near 100 and now mm-hmm. it's like dead. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> it does no, feel dead. This is not a so, thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which sucks cuz I Yeah. If because if, if I were a, if I were a major league baseball player, I would have no value to a team because <laughs> that'd be the only thing I'd be good at. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it just it's just not worth getting thrown out, even though it is you know statistically you're likely to pull off a steal at second base if you try for it. That's that uh, but yeah, stupid. no, the fact that the Brewers, the first place team, trading their star closer a year and a half left until free agency, like that's a deal that you make in the off season. It's not a deal you make mid season. Um, I still think the Brewers are the best team in the NL Central. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but it would be very interesting if they have to face San Diego uh, at some point and if uh, you know Josh Hader is, has the chance to close out their season, seeing how that plays out. A um, couple others, Luke Voigt. Eric Hosmer is supposed to go to the Nationals. He waived his no tra- or wouldn't waive his no-trade clause, and instead Voigt goes from being like a cleanup hitter on – San Diego Padres, a team that is going to be competing for the playoffs. They just got Juan Soto. They look great. Now he's going to Washington, who is competing for the number one overall pick, uh, you know, the worst team in the league. So that's not fun for him. Um, also, the Detroit Tigers, they, uh, and really just like their fan, just everyone in general, hashtag Fire Avila, very much trending in full force. They traded uh, Michael Fulmer, really great relief pitcher for a 24-year-old who's getting lit up in double A. Uh, they also moved Matthew Boyd, one of their longtime starters and kind of high prospects. It's really been a disastrous season for the Tigers in general. They are someone who I think a lot of people were intrigued by them after signing Javi Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez. They traded for Tucker Barnhart. There was a belief that the Tigers can maybe be competitive this season, and instead they've been one of the worst teams in baseball like they have the past few seasons. So things are really bad in Detroit, and I think that they're going to fire their GM, Alavila, and hopefully turn things around, but it's uh, not it's a fun time to be a Tigers fan. Yeah. Since they were good, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been bad and for the- so long. Yeah, and I I don't want to say that they were huge losers. Um, I like the Jose Quintana trade and what they got back, but overall, I really felt like the Pirates could have done more, similar to the Red Sox. Quintana's the only guy they moved. Uh, they they weren't very active today. They didn't trade Ben Gamel, expiring contract. They didn't trade Jake Marisnik. They didn't move a guy like Kevin Newman, who's been playing really well, but you know, there's a lot of questions about his long-term future with the team, just given uh, some of the middle infield prospects along the way. Felt like they had the opportunity to sell high on some of these guys, um, you know, get something back. Didn't do it. And I, I don't know what this team is going to do. I really hope that they at least DFA some guys like uh, Yoshi Satsugo, Josh Van Meter, Greg Allen, anyone who's not part of the long-term future. And, 
Uh, to this point, that hasn't happened. I'm still waiting for those announcements to come through. So, yeah, I'm not, not a huge fan. Really felt like the Pirates had a chance to restock their farm system. And, of course, really the big thing they could have done was trading all-star closer David Bednar. We saw a lot of relief pitchers get moved for pretty big packages. He could have demanded a haul bigger than anybody, and the Pirates kept him. So he's a hometown kid. I like that You know, he's sticking around in the sense if this team is actually going to compete. But you don't need to have a great closer if you're going to finish in fourth place, you know? So it would have been, you know, it, I, I just want to see this team take a positive step in the right direction. Either commit to winning or commit to continuing to stock the farm system. And it just feels like they're, I don't know, I, I just don't like the way that this team has been run. And it doesn't feel like the the progress is there to believe that the Pirates can be, um, you know, as, as relevant and as competitive as a lot of fans thought they would be. Um, you know, just a couple of years ago. If so. you want me, so when we did the winners, you gave out like a half dozen winners, and I gave you the Padres. No, I, I gave you two winners. Oh, uh, okay. Well, okay. Well, you gave out. Like <laughs> I gave you a half dozen, half dozen losers. losers. Okay, so yes. it made it seem like it was a lot, but uh-huh. so I gave out as a joke, Arcillo. I'll give out another loser. That's a person, but this one's a little bit more serious. How about High and Bloom? Which I know is Red Sox. Yeah, related, I mean, but that's, it's like yeah. okay the. The the Red Sox they had Dombrowski several years ago, and he's obviously a GM that that cares more about the veteran players more than really the prospects. While Heim Bloom is coming from Tampa, and the Red Sox are kind of turning more into the Tampa philosophy uh, mm-hmm. rather than being aggressive and trading all these prospects there. Yeah, building taking, up the farm system, building up the farm system, mm-hmm. and taking the long uh, the long road or the 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 slower build and I just feel like Heim Bloom and the the Cora and I, I feel like there's not a connection there really of like or a plan on what where exactly is this team going and and I like I talked about earlier like are are we buyers are we sellers like what are we gonna do with Bogarts and Martinez? I know we didn't even talk about Bogarts. Yeah, so. it, it looks like it's that he's gone after this year and. Martinez, I thought Martinez was gone. I, I'm surprised he's still here. And yeah. Then, and then, like we've talked about before, what's what are they going to do with Devers in the in a couple of years? And then, the way the Vasquez trade went down, where he he's told by reporters he, he, was, he was out practice. there doing batting practice, and all of a sudden he found out, or maybe he knew early. I have no idea. Even if he well, if he found out earlier, why is he out there uh, doing B- BP? And but but if he found out there. Like that's such a bad look that he found out on the field, and he's getting traded to the team that they're playing, and so he has to just mm. walk across the field <laughs> to the other dugout. It's just that's such a bad that's such a bad look on the Red Sox, and uh, and then the the trades he made today are it's like like and, and then replacing Vasquez with the that other dude. With his issues, it's yeah. Again, like, Reese McGuire is like, no. It's like he's just not. He's not a great human catcher. Element, I looked up his stats, and the, he kind of sucks. Like two twenty five hitter. Is so. the human element really dead in baseball? Where it's like Vasquez, he's been the longest tenured Red Sox. He's been such an important member to the team, and and then all of a sudden we trade him, and and in like the worst way possible. Where, where do you remember that episode of Fairly Odd Parents when the baseball episode? Where Chester McBadbat. Chester McBadbat. All of a sudden, he he's like this great baseball player, and all of a sudden, his dad, right? I forget. Yeah, his is dad. his name also Chester? Yeah, like Mc. Oh, I don't know what his dad's name, but it's obviously McBadbat. And then yeah. they played the New York Bankies, 
and then all of a sudden he loses his powers and all of a sudden they give up the giant lead and it's like hey we got two outs and then chester goes well that's because the first guy laughed himself into a coma and the other guy guy got traded to boston rounding second and like this is like the closest uh, example we have of that it's like this dude got traded from boston while he is going to he's going to the other team literally the other team mm-hmm. that they're playing it's just such a it had horrib- to be found out from reporters it's just a bad look and it's just of, it's just you know, such a horrible team. horrible look the way that went down and so mm-hmm. so heim bloom is a huge loser uh yeah no so i'm not I'm just not, the, a f- not just the team but him specifically i want to believe in both bloom and sherrington but i I don't have enough reason right yeah, now to be I, happy with either of those guys. I have even less faith than I did in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that Franchi Cordero just got optioned to AAA. Oh, and that so too. That's Trading for Franchi Cordero. Yep. That, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, that I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's, he sucks at baseball. He has, he's, <laughs> he's flashed at times at the plate, but he, he, he's, he's not good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Josh Van Meter stranded guys at second and third earlier against the Brewers. So that's a, he's a guy who should not be on the the Pirates anymore. Um, So yeah, anyway, I think that's enough uh, MLB trade deadline talk. I will uh, say it's time to move on from sports entirely. We're going to do five questions. A lot of times we have some sports themed questions, but we managed to come up with five that don't have anything to do with sports. So that's, that's exciting. Well, well you're right. Yeah, that's a lie. Never mind. One of them does. Uh, we'll get to that. But yeah. for the most part, they don't, um, at least not inherently. So, um, well, you know, unless Brian, if you, you think unless if you think playing the lottery is a sport, because yeah. question, <laughs> which it's not. But question. So question number one, uh, we had a winner, uh, mega millions, billion dollar winner, because we had a single ticket in Illinois win the one point three three billion dollar mega millions jackpot this past friday and so that leads me to the first question what are some unique things you would buy if you were a winner of the lottery yeah so i'll just come out and say i did not buy any lottery tickets last week um i just didn't it's one of those things where i've i've said in the past it's financially it's fiscally irresponsible not to spend a couple dollars on our lottery ticket that is a chance to turn into a billion dollars but i just didn't take the time to go to a gas station or convenience store to buy a ticket i only play if the jackpot is ridiculous which probably so one point i i heard was like that's actually the worst time to play like it's probably best to play right after they won when everyone's like oh no i'm not gonna play now that's your odds are statistically the best you're still not gonna win see see, even though it's true i i still don't care it's like oh 100 uh, million like, that's not, I'm not yeah. gonna play, but oh, a billion until, dollars! I gotta yep. play it now. Yeah. Yep. So, um, anyway, it I have I have before. You know, obviously, I've never won, but um, yeah. I mean, in terms of if I did win, like obviously for me, like some of the big things that stand out, like you know, you'd want your waterfront property. I would love to have like a beach house somewhere down in the Caribbean. Um, you know, I'd, I'd spend a lot of money just on like random vacations and just balling out in places all throughout the country, all throughout the world. A lot of the typical stuff you get, you know, there are a lot of typical ones, like, like you said, new great property car. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Nice luxury car, boat, a yacht. Yep. Vacation. I feel like a boat, I feel like a boat would be a hassle though, but yeah, I I would, if it's a yacht, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I get it. And it's one of if you have that kind of money, you can have someone else kind of you know take care of the the not fun parts. That's a good point. Yeah, maintenance, whatever. Right. I just think it'd be. I just thought it'd be a giant hassle to have one, but but also, but then again, you you your parents have one, right? So yeah, no, I I'm a huge boat guy now, and I I love the idea of having a huge boat. Yeah, so uh, that would definitely, especially if I'm somewhere, like I've always loved the idea of, uh, you know, being down in the Caribbean. I enjoy vacations there. Maybe not even the Caribbean, just like Key West, uh, you know, somewhere close enough. Um, but I, I think in terms of probably one of the most more unique things, which I, I, I'm trying to go back and forth on whether or not this is truly unique, but I would want uh, to become a minority owner of a sports franchise. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I don't know if there's any billionaires who, uh, you know, made their money from the lottery that are, you know, running teams, but I would, I would absolutely want to, because that would be fun. You know, it's, it's like fantasy sports in real life, kind of. Oh, that, um, that's a good answer. In I, terms I would... of who, like, I, I think, so obviously like the Steelers would be cool. The Pirates ownership sucks. It'd be great to take over there, but <laughs> That's I, a, I think. What's funny is that I was actually just about to say that exactly word for word, but Patriots and then Red Sox. Like, oh, it'd be cool to uh, be a part of one of the Patriots. And like, oh, you know, the Red Sox one sucks. So like. <laughs> well, so for me, I would want to be part of Fenway Sports Group because not only did I get the Red Sox, I also get the Penguins. Mm-hmm. So that's two oh, of my true. teams. Oh, so, true. Might as well, right? Like right. that seems like that should be the the right answer. And, and you, you know, I get Liverpool too. Uh, they just won the uh, Community Shield, so you that's be best exciting. buds of LeBron too. Exactly. Yeah. No, I can uh, just annoy him to the point that he quits. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I think that would be that would definitely be up there. Yeah, um, in terms of one of the things I'd want. That's so. a great answer. Uh, so, like you said, if you, if you want, it'd be the typical stuff like new property, car, a lot more luxurious vacations. A couple of things I noted down, I think it'd be really cool. So I I suck at golf, but I love mini golf because I'm much better at that than actual golf. How about a mini golf course in the backyard? (laughs) That'd be fun. That'd be be pretty cool, yeah, to have. Yeah, I was thinking like basketball court. Or basketball uh, court. But mini golf course would be really cool. I mean, that's that's like- Mini golf course, I think it'd be even more- That would stand out a little more. Yeah, much more unique. And then- Another thing that is kind of a, a story time, but uh, there's this thing that I could buy now if I wanted, but it was just so ridiculously expensive that I, I didn't buy it. So one time, uh, several several years ago, me, B Mac, couple of us, we went to we went to Boston one day and just traveling, just walking around the city, and we saw this bathing suit store swim trunk store and we saw this one that was awesome it was a where's waldo bathing suit and we were like all right we gotta get this but we also need it need to be in the right price range and you have to factor in like this is like shortly after high school so (laughs) we have a lot more money now than we did coming out of high school or or just out of high school like a year or two later or Mm -hmm. least yeah so uh you have to factor that in too and so we're thinking, all right, like if it's like thirty dollars, forty dollars, like fifty tops, like it would be stupid to buy, but it's like this thing is awesome. Like I got, we got to get it. And so we 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 go up to the lady who's working here and is like, "How much is this?" It's two fifty. I'm like, "Oh, two fifty? Like two dollars? Like two dollars fifty cents?" And then right. it's like two hundred and fifty dollars for a bathing suit. <laughs> Come on! And so yeah. so so Brian and I, we just. We bitched about that the entire day, and 
since that day as well. And it comes up randomly in conversations sometimes about how ridiculous that bathing suit costs. $250 for a bathing suit. And it's like, so obviously we didn't buy it. It's like, uh-huh. who the hell would spend that kind of money on a bathing suit? But it, it's so awesome that I would like to buy that one day. And I'm sure I will at some point. Just even though it would be like the stupidest purchase I'll make. But if I won the lottery. <laughs> you would have to. Yeah. I, I, I would I mean, buy a, a whole set of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two hundred fifty dollars would be nothing at that point. I do love the idea that uh, you buy the lot, you win a billion dollars in the lottery. In the What's first the first thing you, you do? <laughs> Get that bathing suit. I saw, <laughs> saw several yeah. years ago. So I, I did hear that story. I I don't know why I thought it was a SpongeBob bathing suit, not a Where's Waldo one. Where, um, probably because I like SpongeBob. But, but like, where I love Where's Waldo. So yeah, no, only- I, I do. Uh-huh. Anytime so, uh, in elementary school when we had story time, or not story time, but like studying, like reading time, people would actually read actual books. I <laughs> would read I read Spy Where's and Where's Waldo. <laughs> yeah, those are lots of words in those. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good good little exercise. It's like, uh, I would try to use uh, like math class as an excuse to do Sudoku back in like elementary school, middle school. Yeah. Me too. So, uh huh. I actually do have a, a story related to a, a Waldo purchase. Um, so a couple weeks ago when my family was um, at Hampton Beach on vacation, my brother went out to buy a pair of flip-flops because his shoes got ruined by water the night before and he just wanted something that he could walk around in um, at the beach. And while he was at the store buying flip-flops, he saw like a bunch of like ridiculous um, t-shirts that you can get on any kind of beach boardwalk. And he's like, I want to get the dumbest thing I could find. And his, it was a, a shirt, just a white t-shirt with Waldo on it. And it, it had the text, uh, ball so hard, mother effers want to find me on it. <laughs> so he, he bought it. It was only $20. It wasn't two fifty. So he bought that shirt for $20. And then immediately he puts it on walks to the beach. Uh, so I wasn't with him at this point. I was with other people. Um, but he strolls up and as he's walking over, someone yells out Cameron. And, uh, it's his, his old boss who works at the the same (laughs) place as him. First person he sees 15 minutes after buying this ridiculous shirt. And he's like, Oh, Oh my God. Wait, I'm sorry that you have to see me like this. And then he said like, she, she knows that he's kind of like a you know a funny guy, so it wasn't like a huge deal. But I just I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he buys this shirt just as a joke, and then runs into like an actual coworker immediately, like fifteen minutes later. That's that's uh, that's that's really poor timing. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So question number two: Klondike discontinued the Choco Taco to ensure availability of its remaining products. Uh, where does the Choco Taco rank on your list of favorite ice cream treats? Or I guess where did it rank now that it's well, gone? Well, you're going to hate me for this, but I'm sure if I tried it, I'd like it. But I never had one, <laughs> which is really? pretty sad. Yeah, I never had yeah. one. Uh, so I don't know where it ranked. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's good. I looked at a, I looked at a picture of him like, oh, I would like this. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty if, simple. I don't know if I would. But... It, it, I'm if This is just a total guess, but I'm sure it wouldn't be like, that high they're definitely i'm looking at a picture of the typical ice cream treats they're definitely ones that i really enjoy like the like the frozen lemonade uh i don't know the exact uh worded yeah i know what you're talking about it's kind of the frozen yeah like like in a like a pop 
popsicle type. Yeah. Thing. Not pop, but like in, in like a, yeah, I know, Container, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah I think uh-huh. that one, that one's good. Like the, the, the big, uh, Oreo. It's kind of like Italian ice, but not really. Right. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. There's uh, yeah. another one, like the cookies and cream, the Oreo, uh, it's like like ice cream ice sandwich. sandwich. Like that one's yeah. good. And then like, there's all those, all those like flavored snow cones that are good. And then, uh, you know, speaking of SpongeBob, but you know, like the, like the SpongeBob, like on a stick, where yeah. it's the ice cream, and then his and eyeballs, like bubble gum. Yeah, his eyeballs are like bubble gum, like those. Yeah, like they had SpongeBob. They also had like Spider Man was big one. They also had like ten other ones that were just as good, if not better. Like uh-huh. than the, it's so, like those ones were always. Yeah, great. those are always a classic. Always like super deformed looking too. Yeah, that's especially if it if it's like hot out and like you you don't finish it in like five minutes. <laughs> it just, yeah. it looks deformed. Well, it looks deformed already, but it looks even more deformed a few minutes later. Uh, yep. Those are, I would say those are my favorite. I'm sure I'm, I'm definitely missing a couple more that I can't think of at the top of my head, but I've had yeah. a Klondike bar, which is. Yeah, of like course. The, yeah. What would you do for one? I don't, I mean, Klondike bars are they're okay. decent. Like, they're not, not they're lot. not like to yeah. die for. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'd do much really at all because they're fine. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty good, but they're not, I'm not going to shave my eyebrows like in that commercial for him. Yeah. So I, d- I did try the Choco Taco as a kid several times. I can't tell you the last time I had it. It's probably been at least a decade. I haven't thought too much about them until they were discontinued. And I'm like, oh, I could go for a Choco Taco right now. I don't know when I would have had one again if they kept them around. Um, you know, if they bring them back, maybe I'll try them again. Uh, but the reason why I kind of worded it this way is because I initially had the concept of doing a top five ice cream treats in honor of Klondike uh, discontinuing the Choco Taco. And when I made my top five, I could maybe put it at seven, but uh, it's kind of like an honorable mention. But I guess I'll kind of go through an actual ranking here. Number six, Push Up Pops. Uh, you know, those were the there had like the stick and it was in like a cylinder um just kind of ice cream it had like a little thing you could peel off uh oftentimes it would be something like flintstones or some other cartoon um those were always kind of messy the stick thing would usually break by the end of it but those were always good it's kind of a simple one easy one um but definitely in the conversation number five snickers ice cream bar i like snickers the candy but i love the ice cream bar i think it's so much better in that form that was always a classic number four orange creamsicle i'm a huge fan of orange creamsicle flavor just in general and uh always enjoyed that ice cream um i used to always love kind of just like biting the uh like the vanilla part that kind of stuck out from the bottom uh, but of course, it's just like a great combination and, you know, just really enjoy that flavor. I always get orange creamsicle fluoride when I go to the dentist. That's a good um, one. I like, I like yeah. orange creamsicle too. Number three, drumstick. It's a classic. It's, uh, you know, an ice cream cone dipped in chocolate, covered in nuts, usually has some kind of like filling, you know, either within the ice cream or at the bottom. Uh, comes in a lot of different flavors and varieties. It's, you know, not... Nothing too crazy, uh, but it's it's hard to to be upset when you're you're eating a, a drumstick. My grandmother gets those a lot, so I I'll eat those from time to time when I'm at her place eating dinner. It'll be a nice, uh, you know, treat dessert after. Number two, strawberry shortcake. I always love those. I enjoy strawberry shortcake, the actual dessert, but the strawberry shortcake bars, chocolate eclair bars, and a few of those, those were always awesome. Um, you know, I don't know what it was. They had some kind of thing sprinkled on them. It's really good strawberry vanilla ice cream flavors. So 
Um, that one comes in my number two. And then number one, similar to your Oreo cookie sandwich, to me, chocolate chip cookie sandwich. Chip Witch is kind of like a, a popular brand, yeah. but if, especially if it had the chocolate chips on like the ice cream, so it was like kind of like dipped in chocolate chips in addition to the chocolate chip cookie, like the, that's my favorite ice cream um, treat, my favorite form of ice cream sandwich. Really tough uh, to beat for me. I love chocolate chip cookies. One of my favorite desserts when they're done right, so throw ice cream on it just to make it even better awesome yeah uh so for question number three this is a short and sweet one which is more lame clapping at the end of a movie or clapping at the end of a flight yeah so i had to think about this one a little um and so if you are at a movie where there's like an actor, producer, director, whatever, you're at a screening where there are people there, it would be natural to actually clap. If you're just going to a a random movie, no one involved with the movie is there, it's very lame to clap at that point. But there are more scenarios where it's more reasonable to clap after enjoying a movie than clapping after a flight. Like, Unless your pilot is Sully and he just landed you in the Hudson Bay and saved your life, why are you clapping after a flight? <laughs> what what are you what did you expect would happen? Like are you really that afraid that you were gonna die? Or like you maybe you're excited to get somewhere? Are you excited about landing on the plane? Are you excited about showing up to the resort for vacation? Like I, you know, I, I just I think it's clapping at the end of a flight is super lame. I don't know that I've ever been on a plane where I've heard like this actually happen. I've just always heard about this and I just don't understand. Like everyone hates flying. Like how could you be that excited? If you're going to clap at the end of a really good movie, then okay, whatever. Still kind of weird because no one's there to hear it. But like, I understand like you enjoyed yourself. No one enjoys flying to the point that clapping at the end makes any sense. So Clapping is a thousand times more lame than clapping at the end of a movie because like you said most of the time movies like especially if it's like a, just a funny comedy or just like a normal movie whatever right like you're not gonna clap or but if it's like a really great movie you're blown away there have been a couple of there have been a couple of movies or a few movies i've seen in theaters where it's like okay like that oh that was a really good movie like it deserves a like a normal golf clap i remember when i was uh in the Philippines, I I went to, I went to see the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rise. I was in the Philippines both times uh, when both those movies came out, just coincidentally. Yeah, and both summer blockbusters. Good time yeah. to be out there. I remember the second one in particular. I'm not a huge into superhero movies, and I liked Iron Man and Spider Man movies more than the Batman movies. But I will say the Dark Knight, the the one with the Joker in it, the uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah. I remember that one I really liked. And so did everyone else because when the movie ended, mm. everyone was clapping. And I don't know if that's because the f- people in the Philippines are really nice. It's just so, a more or, normal thing to or do if there. It, yeah, if it's a more normal thing there or if we we all really liked it. And I'm, but maybe it was a combination of both. And then I remember watching Top Gun and had no expectations but I will say, after once the movie ended, I was like, "Oh, that was a pretty good movie. That was that was that wasn't that was a pretty good movie." And then, so there are times where it's like, "Okay, if if you if there's a movie if a movie is like that good, and I don't think clapping is that bad. You're not doing it after every movie. It's but if it's a movie that blows you away, then yeah, sure. 
and then like you said, if you're in a like a big premiere, like around the actors or you, directors, yeah. around, like that's, I feel like that's normal. It would thing be to bad do. not to. Clap. Yeah, but a flight though, like you said, if it's not Sully saving your life, forget it. <laughs> just <laughs> like, a normal, just, yeah, smooth just landing. Just a normal like, flight, and it's like, oh yeah, we didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. No, uh-huh. no, clapping at the end of a flight is definitely way more lame, and it doesn't happen a lot, but I I have witnessed it a couple times in my life. And yeah, it is lame. I'm sure I have, but I I can't think of many scenarios. But I'm just like, un- I, no, the maybe... high majority of people it that doesn't happen, but it has happened. Yeah. I've I've witnessed it a few times, and it is maybe lame. if you're like hammered, you just snuck on a few uh, <laughs> mini bottles, and like you know, then yeah, you know, I'm sure that you just Jordan Belforted the flight. Then okay, but you know, then that, I think there's a lot of problems <laughs> that we need to address. <laughs> So we both have the same answer. Clapping in a flight is... Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure where you'd go with that one. No, I, um, uh, once I heard your answer, it's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so question number four. If you could have a picture or a video of one moment in your life that you don't have, what would it be? Even though I came up with most, almost all these questions, including this one, I will say I actually had a tough time trying to think of a, a like a really good answer. The only so I assume this is like a Google search of good icebreaker questions or something yeah. that you found this from. Yeah. I thought you were actually inspired by this. Uh, like you had Mo- like a really good Most answer. Most of these but... I come up with myself, but there are times where like I'll Google one. It's like, oh, that's a good one. And so like, yeah, like that, that was one where I found. It is a good concept. Yeah. I'd love to hear the, some listening other, responses. But... The other ones... Not that there's like the last one we just did, like that one I came up with myself, uh, and mm-hmm. then it's it's a combination of both. Like there are some that I come up with myself, but there are ones that are like oh, like this is a good one to use. Like, I'll use that. Like I'll admit it. Uh, so for this one, yeah, I'll say uh, I, I'm hoping you have a good answer to this one because I don't have any <laughs> super special ones. The only things I could think of were some baseball highlights that I had when I was a lot younger. I, I was never a power hitter. But I did have a few inside the park home runs that did not involve errors, and it didn't. Oh, inv- yeah. And it didn't involve Jaron Duran just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did have. I remember my one I had in particular. Uh, the outfield was a little bit more in because they didn't uh, take me seriously, and then all of a sudden I hit a bomb, and it didn't go out of the park, but it went really far. And the 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 left fielder was. Not exactly in the best shape of his life, <laughs> and so it mm. took him a while to get the ball. And factoring his slow speed and my uh, good speed, uh, I was able to get inside the park home run. And so, so like that's just like a random example. Like so, some ba- random baseball highlights would be nice to have on video. And then, uh, you know one th- you know one thing that just popped in my mind. I remember one time uh, a friend of ours, uh, Dylan. Dylan and I, we went to the mm. driving range one time, and he was he was uh, about to hit his ball right, and uh, I had my snap I had Snapchat out, and this is when Snapchat only allowed like ten seconds on a video, and you couldn't like save and everything. So this is when Snapchat was not as advanced, and so I'm taking the video. The first eight seconds of the video, Dylan's just like super focused on hitting this ball, <laughs> and then yeah. at the last like, couple of seconds, he hits the ball right. And the ball disappears, and you think he, he like hit it 100 yards or whatever. But then all of a sudden, at the last split second, 
you see the ball just land right <laughs> right next to him. <laughs> and the last second was a perfect video because the first seven to eight seconds, he's just so laser focused on, I'm going to launch this ball. And then uh-huh. he, and he, he does hit the ball technically, but it just goes, it just goes, nowhere. It just goes up. Yeah. And then the last second, you just see it land right next to him. <laughs> it was perfect. Wow. And so I yeah. went, so I had, I had a video of that. You had that video. You wish you still had, but I video. wish I still had it so I can, sh- just, it's just a fun yeah. memory, and I would, yeah, no, it sounds hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> so that was just one random thing that popped in my head. I'm like, oh, um, yeah. I mean, for me, sports highlights was really the the big thing that came to me. Yeah. Um, basketball, you know, plenty of them. I think the one that really stood out was um, actually just a parents versus kids uh, basketball game um, when I was on a vacation in Cancun, like in 2011 as a sophomore in high school and I hit the go ahead game winning three pointer with less than a minute left. Like, I think that would have been cool to have that video. Uh, maybe a handful just from like Biddy and Bantam, um, some golf shots maybe in there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general, I wish that I took more photos, uh, just even like some of my recent vacations. I'm like, man, I wish I took the time to take more pics here than I did. And there are plenty of times where, like, I kind of wish that I was quicker with my camera or just, like, oh, that would have been, like, a cool thing to take a photo of. There are moments, so, like, the past calendar year or so, like, I traveled to Vegas with you guys, and I traveled mm-hmm. to Guatemala just recently, and and so I've been doing more traveling lately, and I've been trying to, I, I try to take as many pictures as possible, like, not a lot, but, like, I like to have some pictures, of yeah. course. uh-huh. But I don't want to be that guy that just is on his phone twenty four seven. Right, I going know. Picture it, after uh, taking taking yep. picture of every little moment. It's like I re- I'm someone that even going to sporting events, I'm someone that I'm taking a picture of where my seat is, and then uh-huh. outs and after that I'm just focusing on the game. Now baseball, it's like all right, maybe I'm more just casually talking with you guys, but like yeah, for the most part, like I just I want to just focus on the game and be in the moment instead of just constantly. yeah no and i totally get that i i feel the same way with a lot of stuff and it, it, there are times where i look back and like man i kind of i think my thing is i care less about taking photos of other things and more just i wish that i had pics of me with like friends and family at cool places you know doing certain things um that's a good you know, that that i prefer that, more than just wishing that i took a pic of like you know that's, just su- that's some such a great place that's such a great point because when i'm looking at my pictures of my most recent trip in Guatemala, I have a lot of pictures of the the sightseeing, uh, mm-hmm. like the volcanoes or the mountains or like the places we explored. But I wish yep. I had more pictures of, and not that I have no pictures of it, but I I wish I had more pictures of us like going out or yeah, or even uh, just like yeah, instead of just taking a photo of the volcano, like mm-hmm. a photo of you in front of the volcano, right, that, t- that kind of yeah, thing. yeah, something like that, and. And it's not that I don't have pictures of it, and and family, plenty of family members took take they take a lot of pictures anyway. So that's part of the reason why I don't, because like they're already doing it anyway, and so. Um, yeah, which is tough for me because my mom still uses like an iPhone eight or something, so the camera quality is horrible. Like that would just if I won the lottery, I would buy her the latest iPhone <laughs> just so all the photos she takes of me are in highest quality. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, it's really for me. It's just sports highlights and some other vacation things i guess that i didn't yeah i didn't have one other thing that i thought of um i would want a 
so I don't know if this is true, but I, I have heard at the time, 15 years ago, that on my 12th birthday at Fenway Park, uh, during the Red Sox-Yankees national broadcast on Fox, it happened to show, you know, Red Sox wish Corey Novotny a happy 12th birthday. I would love a photo or video of that actual proof instead of just word of mouth, like a couple people telling me that they saw it. Because, you know, I, I would like visual proof that my name was on national television <laughs> i'm sure that i'm sure i'll come up with an, uh, one or two afterwards like ah oh, i wish i said this and but those are the ones that come, came to mind uh sports highlights and and vacation stuff but speaking of sports stuff last question that i came up with uh, if you could replace sweet caroline in the eighth inning at Fenway Park, when the Red Sox are getting blown out, what's what? Uh, I think he meant to put song. Yeah, what song would you pick? Uh, because uh, the reason why I bring up this question because I was inspired by this when the Red Sox were losing by twenty. <laughs> yeah, twenty-seven to five mm-hmm. on uh, the f- Friday, July twenty-second to the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I probably would no longer be at the game if that was happening. Uh, that just sounds like miserable. I don't understand why I would still be there uh, in the eighth inning for Sweet Carolina. Come on, I can't imagine that being fun. Um, well, but before I'm, you before you get to your point, do you remember that yeah. text I sent you uh, during that game where someone proposed to his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> down, right? you're, you're down twenty-seven to five. <laughs> you're uh, getting blown out in a regular season game and you're proposing to your the, girlfriend. The perfect time and I don't know it, if you yeah. saw the picture, <laughs> but on the Jumbotron, you see him proposing to his girlfriend. And uh, all of a sudden, you also see in the background a much hotter chick in the background. I don't know if you noticed oh, that. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> you can't miss it. It's on. It's, yeah. It's, it's, no, I, I guess I probably didn't look very intently. I didn't at the think, photo, yeah, the but. way you responded, I don't think you noticed it at, the, at first because it's. No, like, I'm just very anti ballpark proposal. I just don't think that's what anybody. Like, I I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm I've never been sports, a fan of but it. I would, I would not do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, in terms of a song in that situation, so <laughs> if it's 20 runs, that's very rare. But let's just say down like six or seven. How about Renegade? I mean, that kind of worked for the Steelers. That's how it was born. They were getting blown out on a playoff game by the Browns, played that, the fans got into it, and all of a sudden the team turned it around and uh, came back to win. <laughs> I I don't know if it would have the same effect at Fenway, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, if, if I'm in a situation like this, I'm probably gone, so I don't <laughs> care what song is playing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm curious what kind of, you know. I, I'll admit, I, I kind of, sh- even again, another question I came up with, I kind of struggled with but so i was thinking about this during the game because like i don't uh, want to the last thing i want look sweet caroline i like listening to it at fenway especially that's like when the only winning. time it's like the only yeah. time i want to listen to it uh-huh. if they're winning too like or it's like a good oh, game. oh yeah but uh-huh. if they're down 20 f it's the last thing i want to hear <laughs> and so that's yeah. that's the reason why i bring up this question and my first thoughts like do i want to hear some angry songs like do i want to listen to like limp biscuit or something or something angry or do i want to listen to something super depressing how about how about something like joking wise about like not giving up so like i don't know eye of the tiger we're like oh we're gonna come back and we're gonna win this game like like and then or never gonna give you up <laughs> or just just rickroll pretend yeah. it's sweet caroline and then go into that <laughs> yeah or 
Or how about something a little bit more depressing, like it's the end of the world as we know it. By I was I that actually did kind of come to mind, and I had a feeling you would suggest that one. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that playing a depressing or like sad song. I don't know. Something jokingly like, oh, we're gonna get back into this, or uh, or or I like that concept more. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I would I would hate to be the organist or the the DJ or whoever at uh, in that situation. I mean, it just in general, just being at that game, like I don't know how you can stay that entire time because <laughs> oh, it be like four and a half hours just like, or something yeah crazy. exactly just i don't know i i was it was at the point where i was like man just get to 30 just you know oh i was watching that, uh, and i'm 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 kind of like rooting for it's like all right like yeah get to 30 i remember just one... make it embarrassing well for me it was also like all right let's yeah just beat this team to a pulp and blow it up and have like be big sellers at the deadline and you know do something to to turn Which this team around worse. and yeah I know. Instead, no, we'll give away Christian Vasquez, but we're going to keep everyone else just to go 82 and 80. Well, we have a massive hole at catcher now, catch, catching position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes all the sense in the uh, world. Uh, yeah, so I, I think the best thing to do would be just to pick some jokingly comeback kind of songs, pump up songs. Yeah, no, and that's that's fair. Uh, or, or, or just something, something to get a laugh out of the crowd. Something, yeah. yeah, exactly. Something to get a laugh out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's the best answer I could come up with. Yeah. Now I think that at that point, the best thing to do is just go to game on or, you know, one of the, the bars down the corner and just, uh, you know, drink your sorrows away and hope the Yankees lose as well. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this one. Um, much longer than the past couple episodes. So we topics. actually had things there's, to talk there's about. There's so, so many topics compared to, compared to past episodes. So it's like, mm-hmm. I get it. And, and hey, we have football coming up. Yeah, too, no, we're so. gonna have yeah, lots of football to talk about um in the, the future. So definitely definitely excited and kinda get ready for the, the season. Um and yeah, I mean we'll see moving forward. As long as there's uh things to talk about the rest of the off season, we'll do that. But you know, we're gonna be pumping out episodes pretty regularly once NFL season starts. So um yeah, we're almost there. It's August. So College football starts this month. There's officially football being played, um, you know, every month for the foreseeable future. That's nice. So. I'll, I'll probably, as a loser that I am, I'll probably tune into some preseason too. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, preseason. I know Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Jaguars, Raiders. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.